Hey folks, this is Daryl Surratt here. The file you're listening to right now is the second half of show number 75. It contains the news segment, plus Gerald's review synopsis of Riding Bean, as well as Clarissa's review of Yakitate Japan, and all that is with our special guest, Mr. Ryan Gavigan. Apologies for taking so long to get this one out, but as you can see, it's over two hours long. If it's any consolation, shows number 76 and 77 have already been recorded quite some time ago, so hopefully we'll get to editing those sooner rather than later. I recommend you listen to the first half of this show before listening to this file that you're listening to now. To get that, you can go to our website at www.animeworldorder.com, download that previous episode, as well as archives of all our other previous episodes to date. Anyway, here you go with the rest of the show. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to watch more Hajime no Ippo New Challenger, because I see the raw for episode 2 is out. Let's news! Working to restore power. in like a month and in doing so we also have news that is about a month old Woohoo! yeah go us never stopped us before because yeah, we're working yeah. to restore power <laughs> one of them is actually an update to some news that we actually talked about in the last news segment this is about the uh, manga obscenity case in iowa what is kind of interesting about this is if we go back there was this one fellow who uh, got arrested for possessing a whole bunch of Lolita mangas and all that. And what has been found out is that this guy also possesses a lot of yoi. Was it confirmed that he had Loli manga? They just uh, said manga. Like they, had... they, they did not actually say that it was for Loli manga. Yeah, this is like the first update to say what kind of manga it is. We just speculated it must have been kitty porn stuff. Pretty much. But now apparently a lot of it is uh, yoi manga. He is the gay. Apparently. What is kind of unusual is that they're going on that a lot of these males that are drawn are drawn in very sort of androgynous styles. So a lot of them appear to be rather young. And because there's pubic hair issues in Japan, there's that issue as well. So There's pubic hair issues in this room, I bet. I'm just saying. I heard stories. Plenty. So this has uh, become an issue as well especially nowadays with the popularity of yoi. So now if this guy is going to be arrested for possessing yoi... Yeah, I mean, there's yaoi in, like, every bookstore that now, sells manga now. That means that every female anime fan will now be possessing illegal material. Now, all I'll have to do is just change the name to Men's Love and then use the term Men's Love as it's currently used and call that Honk's Love. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll be off the hook. <laughs> men's Love, hmm... Yeah, I, I can just see like Jerry Orbach busting down the door on this dude and saying like, "It says here you have boys love comics." And even though I'm dead, I still think there's something Je wrong. Now, Jerry Orbach can't be stopped by death <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> he uploaded his consciousness to the virtual world, and I saw that virtual Jerry Orbach happens to love this shit. <laughs> and so Jerry and Orbach is. So you know, if, if you are a Yai fan in in Iowa. Um, I guess you should be careful right now. Watch out for your cornhole, bud. Isn't this really funny that the one time that this case is brought against someone, it's a guy? And we're just lucky it wasn't Florida. That's all we're being thankful for at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for them to release more information about his collection, like, whether it's all Yaoi manga that's under scrutiny or whether... I mean, the reports have only said that, that some of it is Yaoi manga. So we don't know whether some of it is lowly material or some of it is 
heterosexual material. Regardless of what actual manga it is, it's still pretty troubling. Yeah, I don't actually have it in front of me. If uh, maybe I had like a second or two. There we go. But nobody's One, nobody's detailed. Yeah, this guy actually had. 1,200 manga volumes, and hundreds of DVDs, VHS tapes, and laser discs. So that means it can't be Yaoi anime, because there aren't that many. (laughs) Unless you're in this room right now. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, that wall is It's an impressive wall. Okay. (laughs) Very clean things like iCity. We actually have a little bit of an addendum to that story. Since we recorded this episode with Ryan Gavigan, there have been a couple more developments, per se, in this case of Christopher Handley and possession of manga and all that. Not a whole lot, but it's worth mentioning. Unfortunately, Ryan is not with us right now, so this is just the three of us just adding a little bit to this story. What has happened since then is that basically this guy could very potentially get 20 years in prison for buying this manga. And what has happened is that a lot of uh, relatively prominent people in manga and some people in the uh, comic book industry have come out and have been talking about this case because this is a very unusual and very significant case, as you heard about in, in the stories, and we've been sort of covering this on and off. ANN has put up two essays, one by Carl Horn and one by Jason Thompson. Who? Some guy, Jason Thompson, I think he wrote... Uh, he wrote some book, right? Yeah, wrote some book. Manga, The Complete Guide? Something What's like that? that? Yeah, something like that. I think he's read like almost every manga ever published in English. I'm not sure. I guess he's kind of an authority then. Maybe. And Carl Horn, we've met this guy, maybe. It's that guy with that head. Yes. <laughs> and these are very much worth reading. This is a very important issue, and basically the only person that this Christopher Handley guy has got to go to is the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. And what it comes down to is even if you really don't care for what he bought, and I will say up front, I don't care for Yoi at all. I've never bought any. He downloads it. This is not the issue at hand. This is the issue is that this is a major deal when someone now possessing a comic book is now in such trouble as he is. Yeah. Neil Gaiman also wrote a relatively short but very good piece on that, and we'll link to that on the site as well. Yeah, I know that's pretty hard to believe considering Neil Gaiman's never written anything good in his life other than maybe the dub script of Princess Mononoke. But read these and see what you think about them. If you really think that this is a really important issue, it might be worthwhile donating a little bit to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Just as long as you also donate in the form of Anime World Order t-shirts and hoodies, since they're still, <laughs> we still offer those as well. And if you, if you have to toss up between you know, buying a shirt and a hoodie, maybe, or you know, donating to this guy getting out of the jail and possibly striking a blow for the rights of manga readers everywhere, <laughs> I think everybody knows, yeah, you should buy a hoodie. <laughs> I was serious. You can email animeworldorder at gmail.com for the details. Anyway, uh, check those out. This is a really important issue. This is not really something that there's a lot of precedent for in terms of just owning a comic book. It's especially interesting. I highly recommend Carl Horn's article because he is, in fact, the editor-in-chief of Dark Horse Comics. And he says, you know, if this goes through, then we're going to have to rethink about some of the titles that we get. And I think we all know that we really don't want that to happen. Yeah, I think it's important that Carl can talk about it from that perspective, because that's something that I think people don't always consider, is that it's not just a chilling effect on readers. It's a chilling effect on anybody who's going to be releasing this stuff, too. Because they do. They have to second-guess, then, anything that they, yeah. they put out. As, uh, as Neil Gaiman said in his article, sometimes when it comes to freedom of speech, you have to defend the undefensible. Think about it. We'll post these links. Read them. And uh, think about if you want to donate to this fund. That's all we have to say. 
On to news that is not exactly too surprising. This uh, also is somewhat old, but Gonzo is going to reduce their annual anime output from 8 to 4. So they're going to cut their output 50%. They've gone from suck to blow. Pretty much. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we've talked about this as the big problem with these guys. They make so much anime a year, and it... Eight shows a year. Yeah, it's a terrifying amount of output that these guys make, and the quality of their work suffers as a result. Whereas if you look at, like, Kiwani... Right, they, they make very like few shows. Show. Maybe they just have the same five guys do the first four episodes of all these series. Yeah, and then they move on move to on do the, the next, next four episodes or three episodes <laughs> of another they, show. And then the rest, rest of it, it suck. Get sent to Korea. Could be, yeah. but no, I think it. I think this is what they need to do. I don't know if it's going to be enough to prevent them from being delisted, but as far as not making shows that are absolute garbage... It's not going to help, because, I mean, even back when they were starting up, when they were doing one or two shows, like, I don't know, when they were doing, um... Gatekeepers. Gatekeepers, yeah, that was that was one I remember. That show still sucked. I think, so, I think just in the hopes of at least having the potential for not being terrible, perhaps. it's good if you at least have some amount of time to maybe sit down and think up your story. The question next becomes, what do you do with this extra time? Do you actually sit down and plot out your show first? Or do you just... Or do you try to figure out what the next panty shot in Strike Strike, which is, which is season two, most successful Gonzo series ever. In the words of my friend, old friend Chris Keller, he, he described it as the art of sucking less. I think that's all they can aim for right now. To be fair, I think what they need the most right now is, I mean, I'm sure we'd all love to see quality, but what they really need is something that's going to make them money. And so if Strike Witches is making them money, then I guess Yeah, that's you're going to get eight, four more shows where the Strike Witches and it's ilk. No <laughs> pants, ever. And probably more of Rosario and Vampire. Not, they're not too sure what's going to happen to the shows already in production. I guess the assumption is that those shows are just going to be finished. Shows like Tower of Druaga, Slap Up Party, Shangri-La, Alive, Shaishu, Shinka, Teki Shonen. I haven't heard of any of these things. I thought it was just like, okay, Line Barrel of Iron sucks. Yeah. And that's their show for the moment. But I was wrong. You saw Blast Writer as well. That was the- Blast Writer, the Ichiro Itano masterpiece. Yep. And so, yeah. Terribly boring. We'll see if this will just make their fall slightly less hard. Also, I, I don't even know if it's worth mentioning this, but this is something that got quite a little bit of news. There were five anime studios in Singapore that are full-on suing heavy downloaders. We uh, This is I, sort of related to a story we covered a while back. Yeah, way way back, like two, three months, four months even. With and the Odex thing, right? The writs of summons are being done on behalf of these Japanese companies. They're Showgate, Genion, TV Tokyo, GDH, and Sunrise. And GDH is Gonzo. Yeah. So these are the actual Japanese companies. Apparently, they tried to work out some sort of deal with these downloaders, and the downloaders didn't, didn't want to deal with it, so they said, well, now we're, we're going to actually full-on sue you. This is probably the furthest that anything like this has ever gone in terms of anime. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that a few people who are downloading a couple of the newer shows have been getting, like, their ISPs have been getting contacted and they're getting, like, basically cease and desist Mm -hmm. things, but none of them, as far as I know, have gotten any actual, like, they've not been sued. Yeah, most of the time it's been the the uploaders of the the RAWs that were being targeted, at least in the last few months. I guess, generally speaking, whenever you're downloading something, you're also uploading it due to the nature of BitTorrent, and that's like the primary means of distributing things nowadays, so... Yeah, it's hard to tell now with BitTorrent who the original person uploading it was. Except for if you're looking at a tracker and it gives who uploaded it, but... Yeah. You know, normally I would say 
the people they're trying to target are more along the big hub sort of people. And yet I have seen forum posts from people that said they got some sort of email yeah, or something like that. Yeah, there's a thread on Anime News Network. Right. And I've noticed that they are sort of trying to crack down on certain shows. Like I know Soul Eater yeah. was requested to be taken down. I mean, from what I understand, these are guys who are doing the very, very heavy download. Yeah, I would have to say, like, they're trying to sort of slow things down. I mean, I think they when understand on some level. Just like one it's not going to stop. Like, there was one company, and they seem to be just targeting people who happen to be downloading certain shows from their company. So, like, mm. a few people that were on the tracker downloading, like, Sekirei or Soul Eater would just, their ISPs would get contacted. Right. So I think usually they try and target the fan subbing groups and such, but I think right now there's like we don't know anybody personally who has had this. Do we? No, not personally. Just people I've seen post on message boards and such. Yeah, I'm terrified of getting a letter like that. But Usenet will never die. Usenet, yes, that's the place to go. And I'm not really talking about this for the news itself. But just because, you know, there were some images released from this. The live-action Dragon Ball movie was pushed back to April 8th. Have any of you seen some of the f images and footage? That oh, you so damn shitty. right I've seen pictures of that. In fact, <laughs> yeah. I am writing about that in the next issue of Otaku that USA. Piccolo the rock and cool James Marsters. Like villain from, like, Gears of War? He does! He looks like a Gears of War alien. That joke is going in the magazine. Oh my god, like, what's going on? The Dragon Ball movie, somebody realized that what they had was terrible, and then they said, okay, we gotta, gotta reshoot this and make it less terrible. Oh, but it's impossible. Whatever. It's still better than Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li. That was another good trailer. Yeah, I don't know. This looking pretty bad. And it's, did it's anybody one of think they could actually amusing. make a good live-action Dragon Ball movie? They already did! I mean, oh, there was yeah. that fantastic That fantastic, movie. it wasn't Thai, but yeah, the, <laughs> or whatever the one that is sold as Dragon Ball the Saga Begins, or whatever. <laughs> the trailer for that is a hundred times more entertaining than the All film right, itself. Alright, I've not seen that movie. It's, the, no, it's absolutely awful. It's the anime hell mentality of showing these bad movie trailers, because the trailer gives you everything you need. Yeah. And apparently, it is impossible on this earth to find an Asian person to play Goku. Because Asian people are pretty rare. Yeah, there aren't Actors any. Especially, especially yeah, yeah. in theaters. Yeah. But Gerald, all those anime characters have such big eyes anyway. Oh, clearly. And Goku, I mean, I know a Spanish guy named Goku, so well, whatever. But yeah, this movie looks... It's one of those pretty awesome cool. train wrecks that nobody can look away from it. I admit in my heart that I was pumped to go and see Max Payne under the hopes that the Dragon Ball trailer would be attached to it like they originally said and then it was not to be but of course it's going to end up it's just going to end up bombing and they're never well, going to make another one just like street fighter oh, oh street fighter okay, well, that's funny because i was actually about to say that this might be good for capcom because as shitty as this chun li movie is going to be maybe if they just release it at the same time as dragon ball dragon ball will be so awful that it'll make the shitty chun li movie look good by comparison unfortunately they have nothing counterplay that with their shitty resident evil movie in <laughs> oh cg ps2 cutscene no, quality i watched it but i hear nothing but awful they posted the first 11 minutes of this and this is beyond the scope of the show but it's worth talking about their capcom is doing a full length what uh, resident evil movie what's it resident evil degeneration go and watch these 11 minutes they look Awful. But yeah, on to other live-action material, and something that's actually related to this show, this particular show. Uh, on the subject of hilarious promotional images being released. Uh, maybe. But uh, AIC is going to, well, they agree 
to make a live-action bubblegum crisis. Josh, what we need. A live-action CG hybrid. I don't know why they need to specify that, because every movie that comes out now is the live-action CG hybrid Yeah, movie. that's the yeah, default yeah. way to do special effects. Yeah. But yeah, there is one very small thumbnail image that is probably concept art for this thing. It's kind of hard to make out and see what it is they're trying to do, but... I actually haven't seen that. I couldn't make I mean, anything out other than the I don't know, I mean, I guess... Yeah. I can see how it would be possible to make a live-action bubble. They called it Blade Runner. <laughs> Stock but, standard default joke. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that that's actually going to happen. I mean, they would have to get people working on it who would actually be talented. Yeah. And they don't seem to bother hiring actually talented people. It's like uh, they, they just throw some spare people they've got sitting around. Or it'll eventually morph into like a Futurescape? like Appleseed. Oh, oh yeah. yeah thought... they're, they're doing what? Uh, they're consulting Shinji Aramaki, who I hope to God will never direct this, and Kenichi Sonoda. Now, I would rather see Masami Obari do the directing of the live action. Than... Then we would at least be guaranteed gigantic tits. <laughs> that's actually the high and water Breast implants for the whole female cast. And hard fighting robots. That's what we'd get to. That I would be happy to see. That and the tits. Yeah, but, no, I mean, the thing is, Obari could go either way. It could be good, but it could also be really terrible. That's true. Obari is an interesting guy in that I'll way. talk about him in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this goes in probably that pile of the Ninja Scroll movie, the Akira movie, and... The Robotech movie movies. from yeah. Tobey Maguire. I was not that impressed with the teaser footage of Astro Boy. Live action really? kite, live, live action battle angel, live action cowboy yeah. bebop, blah, 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 blah. Again, every single time we bring up these news, we have to say it as a public service to every single person listening. Stop talking about these fucking live action things in these hundred post replies on every forum because it doesn't fucking matter until they actually start shooting these things. Yeah. Until it starts shooting, it ain't real. So stop getting in a bit battle about Battle Angel it. has been in development for, what, ten years now, and it still hasn't started shooting. They're still writing a script. How about that live-action Evangelion movie that's coming any time now, as soon as we get a script and get some casts I and believe it. find I... a director? And... Yeah, yeah. Because even if you do get it made, you'll have something of really good quality like Kashern. That was it's... a great movie for me to poop on. <laughs> it's so funny as well. I mean, we've been hearing of live-action anime movies for 15 years. I mean, I still remember back when Yamato and... So live action Sailor Moon was going to be Gina Davis's yes. barrel, man. It's gonna happen. A friend told me about it down in the corner of Seven Eleven as I was getting <laughs> my slurpees. Yeah, yeah. Other news, a little side note, perhaps. Apparently, ADV is uh, attempting to prevent themselves from going under by resurrecting their porn line. They're not calling it. Uh, it's not soft sell. It's not soft sell anymore. It's got the inventive name of Happy Carrot. Oh, I thought it was gonna be like <laughs> Dick and Butt Productions. <laughs> No, 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 Media Blasters is the one that really... No, but, no, but the font would be like the Men in Black, but it would be D.I.B. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was... They got their Notorious Bunny logo. Their first release is going to be Guy Double Target, which... It's not going to be. It already came out. You already bought it, Gerald. You own this. The DVD is right in front of me right now. What's it say? The Ultimate in oh. Science Friction. Uh, I know VZ, I... that faggot, is really happy that that's coming out. Nobody else cares about Guy Double Target or Legend of Lion Flare, except Gerald, that's here on the wall. Gerald, Lion don't Flair. insult gay people by calling VZ a faggot. Uh, okay, that's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Uh, I'd like to, to recant that statement. <laughs> Let's see. And anybody. Has anybody here had a chance to check out the 
dubbed episode of Sergeant Frog that was posted. I no. did. I did watch it. It is on YouTube. Funimation posted it. And my first response it. was, it is amazing that ADV was able to hold this license for forever and not be able to do anything with it. And then Funimation, shortly after getting it, was able to post something. Okay, yeah. kudos, credit for that. I don't think I actually like what they're doing with it. And it's then but the more I think about it, I'm not sure if they can really do any other thing with it. Because this is one, for people who don't know, Sergeant Frog is an extremely long-running show in Japan. It's a comedy, and much of the comedy is built around... Gundam model kits, which and uh, you haven't checked, are not very popular in America. So what Funimation has done, they've sort of taken a page from their Shinchan book, and they've uh, heavily rewritten the jokes in this to largely be referential to internet humor, memes, that sort of thing. And okay, there's a, a definite shelf life on that. Yeah, I understand. But if you look at the entire Adult Swim lineup, then you can see there's possibilities to make money off of this approach. That kind of worries me because so many of the jokes and references are integrated visually into the show. So I'm trying to figure out, are they just going to write dialogue that doesn't really fit, or are they just going to have to edit out massive portions of I'm the guessing show? because there's so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes, they're going to do another Shin-Chan thing and take pieces from different episodes, edit them together to make new episodes. Yeah. That's my guess, but that's not what they did for this first episode. Yeah, because um, Sergeant Frog, most of the episodes were two 15-minute episodes, so you can pretty much put together what you want. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm just glad to see that something is coming out of Sergeant Frog. Yeah. Like Who made Sergeant Frog? Like, what studio? I don't have it in front of me. I can check right now. Yeah, I'm just curious. I just at least hope that maybe, unlike Shin-Chan, they'll release a version with the real show that you can get yeah they wouldn't be yeah. able to have it be another audio track just the video is too different uh let's see sergeant frog was licensed by sunrise sunrise of course it would be Sunrise. yeah because yeah. all the gundam, gundam stuff reasons. i mean it basically is a gundam yeah. marketing yeah well i mean it runs point. in um the the magazine that all the gundam manga <laughs> japan oh, oh no all ace manga. Okay. yeah shonen ace what's it yeah We'll see what happens with that. I guess the responses were pretty mixed on the dub quality, but it's hard to judge a dub on the very first episode. You can tell, basically, that maybe the voices might get a little better, but as far as the writing approach, that's probably indicative of what they're going to do on that. Right. I guess to finish off some of the news, uh, have any of you gone to see Bolt in 3D? Um, No. No, well, Bolt is a very impressive movie in 3D, and I highly recommend people, people go and see it. But on the subject of stuff in 3D... My bloody valentine! They are apparently going to celebrate the new year by releasing a preview for the Maria-sama Gamitaru show in 3D. So You can see so these can lesbian schoolgirls coming right at you. It's, it's like the tea... I was going to say the tea cup. In the room! Would you like some more tea? And then the Dr. Tong's 3D <laughs> house of tea motion. coming out forward and backward like an SCTV sketch. Pouring the tea out and you see the water, the tea rushing at you and just... I wasn't I scared. Know. Even Count Floyd wasn't scared. So the scary parts. Would you like some more milk? <laughs> I have no idea what they're going to do to make this, you know, 3D worthy. It's going to come with 3D glasses, and they're going to be very <laughs> otaku, fetishy sort of maybe glasses. Maybe they all have a kendo match? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. If you stare into the hypnotic eye. Pandas rushing at us and things like that. <laughs> anyway, that is the news for this week. I, I got, I got for one last thing. Yeah, I got, I got the real that. news. And yeah. actually, I should say it like, you know, Sydney would say, like, I got the real news right here <laughs> coming up. So... 
January 6th, folks. That's the day, the day that, you know, the one most important oh, anime yes. ever made is coming out. Hajime no Ippo, new challenger. Yeah! 90 more episodes of Hajime no Ippo are starting. Maybe it's only 26. I'm hoping it's 90, though. So basically, I can survive because that whole next year is going to be a pretty powerful season of anime. I don't know what you do, man. New Hajime no Ippo, more kaiji. Z Mazinger. Z Mazinger. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. The Mazinger Z by way of Greek mythology. As and Yasuhiro Imagawa, giant robo director. Tale of Genji anime. Is yeah, Lot, lots of bro things that I are not going to be digisub by anyone because they're shows I want to watch. However, I'm very confident that Hajime no Ippo is going to get fan subbed at least. I highly doubt that anyone is going to ever license this show considering how much of an absolute financial disaster the first series was here in America. We never even got... People, the Kimura versus Mashiba OAV. The discs are like five dollars each on Right Stuff now. In their like super bargain bin blowout, go yes. buy this shit. Yeah. Or you can maybe find that thin pack. Not the thin pack. It's like the the brick. Oh, it's it's cheaper to buy. It's cheaper to just buy the single disc volumes. Because those bricks are actually kind of expensive. They're like seventy dollars. Oh uh, yeah, then you can just buy the individuals. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because yeah. that's like a hundred and forty bucks for the. Yeah, I guess if, if space is a premium, yeah. you, then those two bricks of everything might fit better than... Yeah, in any case, the people at Dynamite Glove, which is the premier Hajime no Ippo fan site, are pretty much spot on as far as translating things. They've actually got manga scans that are caught up with Japan, which is insane, because there are like 835-some chapters to that. I fell so far behind. I think I got up to volume 60-something. So, I'm so far behind, I I got up to volume... Oh, wait, I haven't started reading. Mm. So, <laughs> Well, I'm it's one of those behind. things where it's very, very satisfying to watch it in anime form. Even though the manga is great, I cannot wait for the uh, Brian Hawk versus Takamura fight to be animated. Well, so, I feel that way about a lot of shonen action and sports series. Like, it's just easier to it's follow It's easier to follow it, happening. because the nature of a lot of these manga publications is the new chapters got to come out either every week or something like that, and it is hard to draw action on the printed page and be in a way that's followable, especially when you're in such a tough time deadline. Yeah, and so a lot time, of times in manga, when you see a fight scene, it can yeah. oftentimes be difficult at to At the follow. same time, that's what's so unfortunate about all of the issues with how long these series are and how slowly they get through everything and how much stupid filler they always put in, because... Even though I like to watch that stuff much better in the animation rather than reading the manga, it takes so much longer to get through it. Yeah, fortunately, Ippo doesn't have filler even in the regular anime. Yeah. However, it is the slowest romance ever, so don't even Worst bother. Romance. I don't even yeah. care about no, the no, no one does. No. Yeah, well, think about it for the manga. exceptional jet engine sound effect Unless as Ippo you... is punching a person. Yeah. Unless yes. you're into possible gay doujinshi romance. A lot of cock. In that and cartoon. Speaking of that, like, if you, if anybody here reads the uh, Black Lagoon manga, and, oh yeah, more Black Lagoon too, yeah. season three. Season three is coming out as well. But if you're reading the manga, then why bother watching why the bother anime? Watching the anime, or if you're watching the anime, why bother reading the manga? Because they are page for page, frame for frame. They're very line slight. For line. There are more crotch shots of Revy, which I approve of, but virtually. I, I was thinking that, there are more musical references. That's one thing I, I've. <laughs> <laughs> I've run into with a lot of series, especially ones that come out recently, is that I either have to watch the anime or read the manga. I can't do yeah. both. One of the things you guys recommended a long, long time ago 
a show that I absolutely love and treasure now, Monster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's exactly I, I the same. I couldn't read the manga the after I started. Right, because like you've seen everything, thing. and it's I just goes a little faster. I buy the manga just to support it, but yeah, I haven't really. Right, been it's hard to sit down and go back thing. and read Monster. But honestly, I kind of think for certain titles, if the manga is good enough, the best you can do is have anime that makes one superfluous, as opposed to mm-hmm. it's right. so philorific or different or whatever that i still think lupon the third is the best example of almost completely different manga mm-hmm. and anime but they're both good right yeah. i actually like the lupon the third anime a little more than a lot of the manga because it took a good 17 volumes before that manga began resembling anything remotely similar to what we modern day classify as being like lupon the third be sure to set your calendars for that i'm hopeful that people will actually fan sub that unlike all the other anime i'm watching now which i have to just watch raw Look, it's not like you need to understand what they're saying in Gogo 13. Like, Gogo sticks his dick no, in another no, woman, it's, it's and then he very, shoots another dude. Very complicated. There's nothing to it. There's a whole lot of intrigue and mayhem. And, and lastly, <laughs> in, in kind of news only because it's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday I presented sort of Christmas gifts to both Clarissa and Gerald, just, you know, trinkets of, of my fiction and, like, wacky cool stuff. Like, I gave uh, Gerald and Isa bubblegum crisis audio drama tape straight from the old school from the 80s great with, with nudity on the cover with nudity on the cover <laughs> that, that was particularly why i gave it to gerald uh, i get awesome prizes exactly you know <laughs> but it's interesting to see his face you know you know change as soon as he sees you know boobs come into his frame of view <laughs> turns bright red exactly it always looks that on. that way and I, and I gave clarissa a, a complete run of the original animag magazine the yes. uh, one of the coolest zines you'll ever see and but i decided to save daryl's present to deliver it to him live on <laughs> live on tape yeah recorded and live to mp3 because i know oh, he'll this love looks it pretty... just so much i decided to deliver him all right this is a crystal <laughs> triangle laser disc <laughs> it is it is sealed in the packaging i can't fathom why actually no it is open he just didn't rip off the artwork here so okay here we go i'm gonna read the blurb on the back of this thing just for everybody <laughs> Oh, this is the official U.S. Link. Yeah, this is the, uh, the U.S. Manga Core CPM-1 from yesteryear, as distributed exclusively by Image Entertainment. Koichiro Kamishiro is on a rather esoteric mission. He seeks the message of God. The interesting thing is, he's awfully close to finding it. While this philanthropic archaeologist has only the most noble designs on putting the message to use, the myriad message-seeking maniacs on his trail aren't quite so benign. They will stop at nothing to acquire the crystal triangle he's discovered, which seems to be the crucial instrument in making the long, elusive message at last available. After all, whoever possesses the message of God, it is said, holds in his hands the fate of the world. Who wrote this blurb? Savakis? That sounds like Savakis. It sounds like, yeah, has to be. 100%. Only Savakis would sneak in the alliteration for his own amusement. I don't get why this is my gift and not Clarissa's gift. She was the one who reviewed Crystal Triangle. <laughs> oh, here's why. Character designs by Toyo Ishida. Oh, I wish we could get that interview. Yeah, posted, Kazuko but... Tadano, she's on here. But unfortunately, we uh, we may as well let the cat out of the bag on that one. But at Otakon, we got to interview, I believe it was uh, Kazuko Tadano and her husband, who was, yeah. I believe... Uh, I forgot. It's not on the credits here. I mean, I would be able to recognize his name if I saw it. I just... Oh, hold on. I can try to bring it up. Uh, I've got Kara Gunso open. All right. But yeah, they these guys were known as being animation director for like Sailor Moon and stuff like that, but also for Sergeant Frog. 
And we decided to show up to interview them. Very few people were there for the interview, which was a recurring theme throughout that weekend. But we didn't know that at the time. And so Gerald and I were like, okay, man, everyone is going to be asking questions about Sailor Moon and Sergeant Frog and stuff. And we both got in our minds, let's only ask questions about the Crystal Triangle because we saw it was on their resume. So, and so, you did not change this once you fit, found out that nobody was asking questions. Because we didn't Sailor have yeah. other questions written down in our notepads. <laughs> we only had more, Crystal Triangle related things. And I so think we should more of, of like a service to them because they're probably sick of answering questions about Sailor Moon and bullshit. But they really want to so, remember Crystal Triangle. Yes, yeah, it, yeah. it, it mean, was kind of like this point. We were, they just got married when they did that right, show. Right. We were uh, expecting to do some sort of like daily show Colbert rapport kind of thing where we were just asking Crystal Triangle related questions. And this went on for about 90 <laughs> minutes. And we learned the secrets of Crystal Triangle, and we were going to share them with you. Unfortunately, Otakon put the interview in a room that was next to their club. So there was basically yeah, constant rave music that drowned out pretty much the entire recording. We can do this, but it is unbelievably painful. It is second by second amplifying and silencing every second of this track, and it is going to take a very long time if it is recoverable at all. Right. You know, one second at a time for an hour and a half is kind of like how we do every episode of this podcast, but this would have to be more so. So, I think it's the universe keeping those secrets safe. I think so. I mean, only a few people had the message of God. I mean, Moses, Jesus, Kamishiro. Maybe we should give it to Mike Dent and see if he can... uh, (laughs) Yeah, Mike Dent did did some miracle work with getting that Jam Project interview posted, and that's probably a little more indicative of how the rest of the interviews we recorded are going to end up sounding, which is to say, not the greatest, but at least you can hear them. Mm -hmm. So there's that to look forward to. Anyway, that's probably all the news we've got. Yes, it is. this is God. You shall wake up and you will make the greatest in the world, and you shall name it... Sven, wake up. It's time to tape an episode. No, no, no! God was about to tell us what to name our podcast! What? We already have a name. It's Anon. This is Anon, your anime online podcast, where we bring you your news, reviews, and everything else to do with anime. So check out our website at www.anonpodcast.com. That's A-N-O-N podcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on iTunes. <laughs> Remember, God commands you to listen to Anon. Hey everyone, this is Gerald. Sorry about the delay on getting this episode out. I should first mention that, well, you know, we just wanted to outdo Andrew from Destroy All Podcasts. And by that, this episode, with probably one of the greatest anime ever made, Writing Bean, is not really a review so much as it is a scene-by-scene synopsis, partially fueled by extremely oily pizza. So, if you have never seen Writing Bean before and you don't really want any spoilers, I highly recommend you go out and you watch this show. Don't listen to this review. It is full of spoilers, and is rambling, and goes nowhere, and yes, it takes longer to listen to this review, or synopsis, than it does to actually watch the show, making it clearly one of the worst reviews we've ever done. If you would like to take Gerald's advice to heart, please skip to the 92-minute mark of this recording. That's right, this takes an hour. 
yeah, there we go. Without further ado, the very delayed writing bean review. There we go. That was our silence track. <laughs> okay, we have got very large slices of pizza all up oh. in us. 30 inches? How much? 30 inch pizzas. These pizza slices were the size of small pizzas. They were bigger than the plates. I was yeah. defeated mightily by it. I barely triumphed, but I regret it now. <laughs> no comment on the pizza. Anymore. Yeah, and soon we will <laughs> have... Right, <laughs> going into a catatonic stage. <laughs> he's regretting his action. That's a yeah. Shigeru Miyamoto look as he's thinking really hard about Super Mario World. We, we will soon have lots of ice cream all up in us. Yeah, it's in the next phase. And my roommate, who is with us right operation. now, will have lots of Baileys up in her. Baileys That's dipped in pizza. pizza. Baileys all Baileys. up in me. Hopefully down in her. This must be taken into account as we talk about one of the greatest one-shot OAVs ever made. That I'm going to Regrettably one-shot. There may be lots of burping from Gerald. There may be lots of burping and farting. Fanny burping. Yes. But anyway, let's see. The... Okay. That's how Ernie Ladd would say it. Uh, that word, the word fanny needs to be used more, I think. Yeah. No, it doesn't. No. Just like cake-faced hussy. Not in this particular review, cake maybe. Face. There are no cake-faced hussies in this show. I think there's one. There may be one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, he's got a face that's memorable. <laughs> it's probably no secret that one of my favorite character designers and creators is Kenichi Sonoda. Never heard of him. No, we haven't. What'd he do? A bunch of crap. He did the character designs for Salamander. Oh, I remember that one. There we go. Life Force 2. Hey, Life Force 2 was a great game. Or actually, Life Force 1, which was Gradius 2, which was Salamander. Wait a second, that wasn't him. That was Haruhiko Mikimoto. A different guy. Same Same anime. Same decade of things they were alive. Kinji Sonata, Haruhiko Mikimoto, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. It's all the same. Their art looks so similar. They're all Japanese. They're like the same person. I say a character designer because virtually... Everything that Kenichi Sonoda has done has mostly been in kind of ancillary designs, whether they be some maybe some mech designs or some character designs. He's a pretty bitchin' English school teacher. That I hear too. Those were his designs too, weren't they? Yes. Ryan, don't remember. Don't remember. Don't remember. Never. But anyway, this changed in 1989 when Kenichi Sonoda was given almost complete creative control over a one-shot, 45-minute OAV based upon his own creation, Writing Bean. And Writing Bean is also probably the single greatest, most awesome Sounds bit... Sounds vaguely like a porno title. ...of anime action. 
every your your mind is so dirty, Clarissa. I always remembered having some sort of idea to have some kind of parody anime fans going out and killing people sort of script and one character would be like a 45 year old man or something like that and his only dialogue would be a repeated line and be that sounds like a porno and then like that would be his dying words too you know like Nalen Palin riding bean yeah I thought Nalen Palin was a documentary it is there we go but yes riding bean is probably the single greatest one-shot OAV ever made, quite arguably. I don't know Certainly. if it's better than Crystal Triangle. Crystal Triangle was a movie. Or California Crisis. California Crisis was not made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, it doesn't exist. Yes. Sorry. But if we talk about writing Bean itself, truthfully, it's a biography. <laughs> myself. It's an average day in my life, the life of me and my roommate. <laughs> when she wakes you up by yes. you know sticking a taser in your neck. No, that yeah, didn't wake him ahead. up. You're jumping. You're jumping ahead. What actually woke him up. We gotta, right. we gotta go back. There's a smile See, on the face. We gotta go back because writing Bean is something that you know is going to be good. Approximately 20 seconds into watching, when it. he takes his car ride in the city. You know this because the, no, the show it's the starts, lyric to the song. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, the music is all done by a fine man, Phil Perry. Might be better known for the music of Goof Troop and things like this. Anyway. Yeah. 20 seconds into this OAV, the first thing that we see, other than being in his car waiting outside, is... And the mountains a, of Chicago. And the mountains of Chicago. is Chicago has such a beautiful mountain. Is a guy with his brains blown out and a woman being threatened with a shotgun. And by the way, this woman is naked. Sporting the tan lines from her one-piece swimsuit. Very 1980s swimsuit. Bell yes. Dandy approved. It's never explained why she is in fact naked. Why you want to take isn't she naked? This would be the, the question, question you should be asking when they're not. Yes. It's a good hostage technique to strip your hostage naked and then... And then fire the shotgun at her twice so she has to raise her arms and you can see those tits and then pause the tape and rub one out. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how many times did you rub one out? Twelve. Twelve. Oh. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. I was asking Gerald. Well, okay. I... Well, I count. Uh, Thirteen. Not a minute into this and you already have tits and brains splayed out. This is starting to sound like M.D. Geist. No, M.D. Geist does not have such foul, gross things. It's high-energy, high-concept animation. Yeah, speaking of high Dog energy... Dog Communications trailer did not lie. Yes. <laughs> speaking of high energy, Thunder let's war. talk more about writing Bean himself. Bean Bandit. This man... Maybe his parents America! were... America! Maybe his parents were baking? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like Baking Jr., but it's just Bean. <laughs> Maybe his father's name was Senzu Bean. <laughs> <laughs> they just shortened it down. And what else grants that much life and power? I think the only other thing that grants him that much power is his chin. Yeah. This man. Oh, it's the phone oh, is oh, ringing. You're ruining this. The Jay Leno. I don't even God. know who this is. Hold on, it might be Publix. <laughs> who, who's calling you? What? Hello. Hello. Yeah, who is this? I, I think you have the wrong number, Mary. Did you try calling earlier today? This is. Uh, no. Okay, I don't know anybody named Mary. What phone number are you trying to dial? That is indeed the number you've dialed, but whom are you trying to reach? Danny. This is not Danny. This is Daryl. And, and so I believe you have an incorrectly dialed phone number. All right, thank you. All right, I'm sorry. 
bitch ass fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rude language. Uh, 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 so anyway, yes, writing Bean, this man has a chin. Jay Leno chin. This man was born and there was just a chin. And then as he grew, this chin he grew, grew around, around the chin. He grew around yeah. this chin. I thought he grew around his bitchin' hairstyle. That too. And Perhaps. Was, did his chin inspire the creator of Fake? <laughs> Those Perhaps, Jay because Leno chin. maybe Mato Tsunami watched a lot of Bubblegum Crisis and Daily Wong hitting on Leon and then also a lot of Riding Bean and decided, oh, I can make a gay manga about cops in New York City with chins. Only Bean's not a cop. He operates outside of the law. Yeah, no, yes. but Leon and... Uh, you know what yes. Bean's, Bean's middle name is? Frank Martin. Because that's what he does. He's a transporter. He's Frank... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually have that in my notes. Bean is basically not really a gun for hire, because that's not really the way... He's the tire for hire! That's yes, he's tires for hire. And <laughs> Singular tire. He's the tire. Tire for We don't need alcohol. Apparently, we just need to eat large slices of greasy pizza. <laughs> oh, that pizza was so disgusting. But, wonderful pizza. Yes. Essentially, his job is to get something from one place to another. And he does this with his While car. While destroying as many things as possible, that's, even that's, if it's not necessary. That's a bonus. His car... Is a very elaborate car, which I do not know exactly what it is, but I'm sure can, it is can a custom-made car that is not an upgraded version of any particular model of car. But it's just called the Roadbuster. It's this yes. custom-designed red car that can do anything. He actually had a whole red. special car. I thought he just yeah. he built it from the ground up in Gunsmith Cats, which we'll talk about the tie to this in a minute. But he used to just drive heavily modified Corvettes, and uh, the Roadbuster is a original design. Wasn't yeah, it designed it was actually... by Morgan Freeman when he made the Batmobile? No. It's... That was a military purpose thing, and you know, there's nothing about the Roadbuster that would be used for bridging purposes. Except the gun pork. <laughs> Other than the gun <laughs> According to the internet, the Roadbuster is an incredibly elaborate, very expensive car. It's a, it cost a million dollars to build. And, it's a million dollars in Chicago money in the 1980s. With a million dollars, that's enough to buy a house in Tokyo, Gerald. Exactly. <laughs> As this anime is quick to point out. It gets really lousy gas mileage, according to him. Because of this, they have to charge enormous amounts of money. At least thirty to $40,000 per job. So when you hire Bean, you hire very good help. Bean hates the environment. Right, and very much like the transporter, the first thing we see him doing is providing a getaway vehicle for some bank robbers. Yes. These bank robbers appear to be an older man and a young boy. And through some interesting circumstances, largely just a semi in the way, they uh, have to... You mean a semi-truck or like Bean's semi-erection? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as the comics have indicated, he's got a pretty powerful genitalactic nightmare brewing in his pants. A little bit of A. Well, the anime didn't go into that. Yeah, writing Bean is kind of an unusual thing. Like, we talked about the bubblegum crisis. This is something you can talk about without talking about any of the plot. There Running is no Bean. story. I mean, there kind of is for this 45-minute OIV. This is another one where you know, the story is largely... The story is one of these things where it can be incredibly elaborate if you go into the details. Bad guy trying to frame Bean, Bean trying to <laughs> yes. rescue himself, yes. yeah. cops mixed in the bunch. Yeah, it's and lesbians! And lesbians. For real lesbians. Actual, yes. Actual. For real. Yes. Yeah, this is exactly Except one of them still likes to suck dick. 
Yeah, she, she's like a. So part- she she actually fails the lesbian final exam. Listen, she likes which dicks, is not just not on dick. guys, except you know, unless they're distinguished Look, she- older gentlemen, because that's how Kenichi Sonata operates. Look, yeah. she was being hospitable. <laughs> we will get to that. Yes, but the lesbian final exam is not sucking dick, and she- a lot of them fail but that test. Anne Hayes failed that test. The lesbian final exam. Well, that's because Anne Hayes isn't a lesbian. She's a crazy woman. Look, the lesbian final exam is about being hospitable to your guests. <laughs> And what is more hospitable than oral sex? <laughs> Not shooting them with a gun. Exactly. But more importantly, we find out that this uh, older man and this young boy are in fact not an older man and a young boy. They are in fact the people that my roommate and Clarissa there were talking about before. In fact, the one lady in there uses this very unusual uh, little ring inside her throat that becomes an issue several times. I don't really show. understand how that's supposed to work. Yeah, she sort of it, hacks it goes up around your Adam's apple. Women don't have an Adam's apple. Yeah, they do. It just doesn't shut out. And by suppressing it, it makes you sound like a dude. See, you got an Adam's apple. It's because you're a tranny. <laughs> <laughs> Contrary to what the internet believes, I do not have a penis. Yet. <laughs> I don't so know anyway, if I agree with this. Bean doesn't do this alone. No, he doesn't. You can't. In fact, you got to have the driver, and then you also have fact, to have the person shooting. Not, like you ever play that game Lucky and Wild that no, Namco came out in the arcades? One person drove and fired, and the other person just had the gun. This sounds like a good like game. Like many heroes, Bean has a partner who's actually more awesome. Not more than five minutes into this anime, we get our second load of tits. This is. Well, it's not really tits. It's more like gratuitous ass and bra-covered tits. It's a very see-through sort of thing. You could pause the tape and rum out maybe eight. Look, I I paced through that scene. There is, in fact, pink. What the fuck, Gerald? (laughs) This was a very long time ago. but This This was yesterday. (laughs) Before everybody came over. (laughs) Don't pretend you're any less pathetic than when you were 12. It's not talking about being pathetic. It's the mark of a true fan to have the clamshell VHS writing bean tape. This is the first anime Damn, skip. I ever saw. <laughs> I'm talking about specifically like freeze-framing non-pornographic material to rub one out to. What if it's like a picture of a crystal skull? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously a crystal skull is an exception. Or a slug. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, what is important to know about this woman is that her name is Rally Vincent. Now, Rally, is that supposed to be some sort of bizarre English amalgamation of Larry? Well, it might be, because whenever she says her name, she does sound like that. However... And if you talk to Kenichi Sonata himself, he'll, he'll say Larry. Yeah. And he'll emphasize that. He will. That's oh, what he really? thinks it should he be. He thinks it should be Larry, but everyone is like, Rally, no, because she's in the car. So did somebody actually name their daughter Larry, or does she like <laughs> want to be a dude? Or? Well, that's not really explained. All we know is that after the events of Riding Bean, she got that $2 million from the dude. She took her share of the money and opened up some bitchin' restaurants where they have some pretty good fries and burgers and stuff. They, they call it checkers in some places, but in most places it's called rallies. <laughs> you don't need a lot of dough. No. No, you've got to eat. Then she hired Peter Chung to do the commercials for it. I can't handle that. It's just like, you've got to eat. So you got to settle for this shit, right? Yeah. you got to <laughs> eat anywhere, right? So may as well fucking get a shake and, you know, two big Buford's for $4. Really weird looking fries, just covered with stuff. Oh, Very yeah, excellent. You, know, that's you can buy those fries at Walmart now. Oh. Rally Vincent's done pretty well for us. So. That's exactly what we're going to do after this recording. Go to Walmart and get some no. Rally Vincent fries and ice cream. 
yes. dip the fries in the ice cream. That's good living. That's exactly what we're going to do. Brad but Bellick agrees. What is more important is that some people might have said, wait a second, Rally Vincent, isn't this the same girl from Gunsmith Cats? What is Gunsmith Cats? Gunsmith Cats is a manga and anime series that came several years after Writing Bean, also done by Kenichi Sonoda. However, if you ask whether Rally Vincent is the same character, the answer is yes and no. Yes for intents and purposes, but no for legal purposes. Okay, let's Why go into this. this. She doesn't actually look the same. No, she doesn't. Completely different character skin. design, because the Gunsmith yes. Cats are Ellie Vincent. It's actually an Indian woman. One of the uh, one or two. No, There's one. There's a guy in Prefectural Earth Defense Force. Yeah. And the guy in the Under 7. He was Indian. I don't think so. <laughs> Not with the last names like Himamiya. I mean, Vincent's a real Indian. Apparently, the story behind this, and maybe, maybe uh, Ryan, Ryan can, can shed the full light in, on this one, is that this uh, video was made by a company named Umex, and it was... Produced by a company called Toshiba EMI. Uh, the animation production by a company called Art. Right, and these yes. are also the same people who did the Bubblegum Crisis OAVs yes. as well. A lot of the same people, and apparently Umex and Toshiba EMI had a very, very nasty argument with each other. Eventually what happened was the company split up. My understanding is that the rights to the designs of Bean Bandit and Rally Vincent... And the car. And the car basically belong to not Kenichi Sonoda. I'm actually not so certain who they actually do belong to, or because Umex now doesn't exist. They probably don't even know who it belongs to. Chances are it's a situation like that. Do you know any more details, Ryan? Nothing more other than that it was also at the same around the same time that uh, Sonoda <laughs> left working for Artmec. It also kind of was partially behind the reasons why later on they completely changed the character designs for that show that doesn't exist. Oh, uh, yes. Based off of Bubblegum Crisis, uh, because it was kind of uncertain about, had to credit the designs to if Sonoda wasn't still a person with the company, he went out on his own. Yeah. So That's... basically, when he left, in theory, he had to leave certain properties behind that I believe Umex would have still held on to. It's very strange copyright laws, because he made Gunsmith Cats with characters with the same names and the same personality sticks. types. They just couldn't look the same. Yeah. And, yeah. and originally, those character designs were something that he drew for a doujinshi. Well, this stuff still happens because this was what happened with Vice Croids. Like, they made the first series of Vice Croids and then there was some kind of dispute with the artist who did the character design. So when they went and did another series of it, they had to completely redesign all of the characters. And yeah. the tie-in from that is that the good part of Vice Croids, aka the opening credits, were by Masami Obari, <laughs> who also it's worked true. on Bubblegum Crisis. Yes. It's all interconnected. Yeah. It all comes full If we circle. wanted to cheat, we'd just say it's a tying factor they were Japanese. And <laughs> <laughs> <had> slanty eyes. <laughs> Not that easy. Back to uh, writing Bean, I guess. We are now introduced to the living conditions of Bean Bandit and Rally Vincent. You're pretty crappy. And Bean Bandit has got probably one of the more interesting... He's probably one of the deeper sleepers that I know about. Besides just... Yeah, he, he doesn't actually yeah. own a bed. No, he just sleeps, he sleeps on the couch. He sleeps on the couch. And, so and he, he lives in a, a small apartment somewhere, yeah. presumably in Chicago. There's so like, he just spends all his money on gas so they like, can't afford like an actual place? Is he's probably that... paying off his car. I'm pretty sure, yeah. He has to pay for the car, <laughs> and he has to pay for gas for the car... And he has to also buy hookers and blow. And lots and lots and lots of Lots food. of pineapples, lots of sausages and, you know, various breakfast meat. But he has Gerald-sized portions of food. This, this but yeah, is why this man is made. He's got like eight locks on his door because yes. he's a criminal. Yeah, he's a deep sleeper. Yes, Riley's trying to wake him up and he's sleeping on this couch 
And so, attempts to wake him up, kind of, you know, in a way that most women want to wake up. Well, she tries up. to wake him up yeah. normally first, yeah. and he doesn't normally. respond. Normal way to wake up Bean Bandit is to, you know, of course, use a stun gun. Delivered to the on neck. neck! On his neck. And this just kind of trickles. It startles him, and then he immediately falls back asleep. So what is the next level to this? Clearly, the next level to this is to place a frying pan, which for some reason... Here's the question. The, the frying pan was hot, and the eggs yes. were there. They couldn't have been cooking very long because the eggs were not burnt. Yeah. Who like, put who the this? eggs in the frying pan and turned on the oven? Maybe being like, sleep cook? Maybe, are we led to believe? <laughs> he just, you know, he's asleep and then he gets up off the couch and shambles into the kitchen and starts frying some eggs and then like, This isn't the plot you're looking for. Move along. <laughs> are we led to believe it's some sort of Martin Scorsese-like film technique where you just, <laughs> you see the gangsters get in the car and you see him get out. It's not necessary to show him driving there. Like, maybe off camera, Rayleigh Vincent went and started preparing eggs, but that would imply that she would be cooking. Yes. Either way, there are eggs there in a pan. And the pan is hot. Yes, the pan is very, very hot. And these eggs are pretty much done, ready to eat. Sunny side up. Yes. <laughs> I don't think they need to know Listen, how the eggs... the circumstances of the eggs, they're scrambled. The technique for waking them up wouldn't work. And so, what is the best way to do this? Now, if you were, you know, Roni Kinchin, maybe you'd do something goofy like hit him in the head with a frying pan or something. But no, you just place this frying pan on his eyeballs, sort of, and just let it sit there cook his head while he screams in, in I want you pain. to give your best I don't think recreation. Bean feels pain I want you to give your best recreation of how the dub scream <laughs> <laughs> yeah Gerald right, let's oh. hear it be a dub superstar uh, it's a little closer to like a whisper show it's like okay scream but you know I don't want you to actually scream because it would freak us out it's kind of a yawn, like a violent yawn. There you go. <laughs> Which brings up another point. This was the first dubbed anime ever released by Animego, and the second anime to ever be released by Animego. So that should give you a warning as to the quality. Yes, this was dubbed <laughs> in 1991. No, 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 no. It was dubbed later. It was dubbed much later. It was uh, dubbed right, Because right. for a long time it was, only, it was available sub only. Oh, wait, 1993 or 4? Four. 4. 4 was the dub. 1990 was when it was licensed. They had already gone through releasing Bubblegum Crisis, and they were getting ready to do some of the Oh My Goddess originals. They thought they were trying something new by going and at Anime Expo, they decided, we're going to have this super secret panel. We're going to just hand out these flyers saying we've got the super secret panel going on. They brought everybody into a room, and they decided, what we're going to do here is that we're going to show you clips of our first dubbing project we're going to do. And we're going to give you this preview of these scenes from Writing Me, and we want you to tell us what you think of them right now, you know, before we even go forward with full production, thinking that you know we'll get fan input as to how our dub should progress. They did so, and it wasn't the best thing ever done by far. But I have much bigger qualms about the dub than merely the actual dub acting. I was really hoping you were going to say they listened to the fan feedback, and based on that cast a new person to be the voice of Dick, the assistant, who probably has the greatest voice acting 
out of any major yes. character. Unfortunately, he was one character that wasn't in any of the scenes that they that showed. That is regrettable. They showed the scene. They showed the infamous servicing your guest scene, the lesbian scene. I was really hoping that Robert Woodhead would have played one of these bit parts. Yeah, that's David Lee Williams territory. So they showed the they did the eyeball sequence and the frying pan sequence. So, so the best voice acting in this is definitely part of every single cop. Yeah, and they, and they did a, a, a sequence of showing Percy arguing with the chief, and basically none of them were all that great, but people thought it was very interesting that you know they're trying this new thing. The main problem I have with the dub is basically the sound effect. Yes, the yes, uh, Foley was slightly changed. Normally, when you make a dub nowadays, you get an isolated music and effects track from which you can actually create your dub. Maybe they got that for this. Maybe they just bought the soundtrack and <laughs> decided to go from there. Because there are some parts where it's like, oh, wow, I heard that same guncock sound effect in Doom. Yeah, very stock sound effects that they ended up using. And they do stand out. And their philosophy, unfortunately, is that they're trying to make things sound like they actually are instead of making them sound like their Hollywood counterparts should be. When you have a big, when you have a big gun, you want them to sound like a motherfucking hand cannon. You don't want them to sound like their realistic uh, counterparts. Probably not the best creative decision, considering the fact that this, in so many ways, resembles a Hollywood American sort of yeah. '70s blockbuster. Yeah, Kenichi Sonoda was a big fan of American movies. Like Otomo, I believe that he liked Blues Brothers a lot, and that kind of shows in uh, Riding Bean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with the the very first thing you see with the terrifying cop car collisions. <laughs> Yes. It's not good enough for one police car to crash. It's got to be like a 75 car pileup. And you have to ask yourself, what is that 75th guy thinking? <laughs> oh, fuck. It's like, <laughs> you, you must hear that many car crashes. And maybe they're just being dumb. <laughs> no, no, I can get through this. Crash. Yeah, I, I can make it past this yeah. big rig that's <laughs> perpendicular and blocking four lanes of traffic. But no, they didn't even care. I mean, you saw the first copy. He's like, don't worry about damaging the car. We're just going to sandwich him by smashing into it, like all real cops think. But I wonder if it is possible to smash two cars together and have them... Like, jackknife up jackknife 20 feet up in the air. And so that you can drive a car underneath them. If you drive fast enough, like I, I those cops were doing. This is clearly very, very highly researched physics. Oh, yeah. Clarissa. So... This is where we get to the story of Riding Bean. Not the meat that he's eating for breakfast. No, which, by the way, for breakfast he eats a gigantic sausage, a pineapple, with the rind, which is poisonous. Yeah, and then he not just eats through the rind, he doesn't cut off the leaves or anything. No, he grabs it by the leaves and eats it. And, and then a pot of coffee, just out of the pot. So yeah, He just drinks is, from the pot straight up. This is That's his man. share of the meal. I think Raleigh just had the eggs. Maybe. I think so. So Bean is basically like some freakish caveman with a huge chin and a ridiculous appetite. What are you saying? He's one tough brother Carissa? in Kenichi Sonata's own words. <laughs> brother with an A at the end. But yes, they are interrupted by a uh, interesting gentleman. Carl Horn. Carl Horn. <laughs> who runs in and talk, starts talking about the Wings of Oniamis, how great that is. But also talks about how they he needs to get this girl delivered, this girl who is from this very rich family, delivered to this house. And that's basically their entire job before he gets his brains blown out, supposedly. I, I like Riley Vincent's ability to hear the gun cocking from the next building, the next building over, despite the fact that they live out. And so that's just a proof of her awesomeness and ability yes. to shoot things good. 
Now, you may be asking yourself, how can you save a little girl from being shot by covering her behind a cloth couch? Well, the answer is that this couch is built enough to withstand being sitting on it. Exactly. That Therefore, means, it is steel, yeah, at least. It's bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> and he kicks her across the room, does not break any part body parts, supposedly. Couch is not the only thing that's bulletproof in this cartoon, though. No. no. While Rally Vincent jumps and hides for cover, and this girl is kicked across the room, Bean just sits there and takes these bullets that are ruining his apartment, just casually almost. Yeah, like, basically people across the street just open fire on his apartment to kill the person who's brought this little girl to his place yeah. immediately yeah. after giving him the assignment. And he just pulls up his collar and just ducks down a bit, and it's just, I don't know, it's just like as if a wind came and hit you, like, as you walked around a building. Well, he's got the coolest leather jacket this side of Bob Crane from Hogan's Heroes. But of course, Bean has to have his rivals as well, and these rivals are, of course, Daryl's Dream Man, specifically uh, the policeman with the Hulk Hogan mustache. Yeah, Inspector Percy, as it were. He's got, he's your typical crazy American cop driven in his quest to apprehend this terrible criminal that constantly eludes him and we were led to believe that you know he's one of those bumbling incompetent guys who's always getting foiled at every step in his attempts to capture bean and for this oav he's figured out finally this is how i'm going to catch him so he got kenichi sonata's favorite car ever the shelry cobra gt500 GT 500. yep yeah incredible classic Probably featured in Gunsmith yes Caps. it's uh, rally vincent was driving one of those in that cartoon and i'm not sure if they insisted on getting an actual gt500 to record for the engine sound effects for this one the way they did for the gunsmith cats oab but in any case inspector percy and his hapless sidekick dick it's a good <laughs> name for a cop assistant also exceptional dub voice unfortunately it is not dick strong it's not dick strong he's not quite uh, immortal enough to have one of those names but percy is always trying to capture bean and looking for excuses to get out there and catch the roadbuster once and for all but it's not going to happen because he keeps getting assigned to do stupid things and he does not have a magic car it's just a gt500 yeah and speaking of this magic car uh i got a text message from brian smith what does it say? So yeah, prison break. The season isn't over there, right? I'll tell him later. <laughs> Why don't you call him up and talk to him right no. now? No. Oh, you don't want to? He might use language inappropriate for this podcast. <laughs> well, what, we should have, what we should have happen is have Brian call Gerald. I've probably been kicked out of several stores because of his ringtone. Yeah, probably. Pick up the fucking phone, you faggot. Pick up the fucking phone, you faggot. Pick up the fucking phone, you faggot. We also get to find out much more about these two people in the beginning of the OAV that Bean was working for. These people who were supposedly an older man and a young boy, who are in fact an older woman and a young girl. She's not an older woman. She's older than the young girl. I guess. She's a young woman and a girl. How's that? That works. That works. A girl with dykishly Nene hair. Maybe she's Nene as a kid. Hmm. <laughs> The best pictures of Kenshiro are the ones where he's just standing there posing with his arm out. If you're Joel White, you do that 16 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> and what about if you're, I don't know, one of those guys from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Then you actually have to contort your back yeah. backwards and kind of be in traction. You have to break your bones a little sleeping. bit more so you can bend them? Yes, so. that's correct. Unfortunately, but, there's no one making dramatic poses like that in Riding Bean, but we forgive them because Riding Bean's meant to be realistic. Yes. Speaking of bones, we have a very interesting sort of hostage scene here, which kind of delves into the character, perhaps, of some of these very disturbed young ladies. In fact, uh, the one character played 
by Megumi Hayashibara in one of her very early roles. Voice of Lena Inverse from Slayers and a billion things from the 90s. Faye Valentine and all that Faye stuff. Faye Valentine, yeah, I heard of that lady. Yes, taking care of a guest of theirs in probably more ways than a hostage should be taken care I th- of. I really think that's the quintessential heart of the true Kenichi Sonata, was he actually crafted this OAV so he could have that scene. He had that scene written first, and they needed something written around. It's like, hmm, I need reason to have little girl with pink hair try and give blowjob to a 55-year-old man. I know, I'll make an anime about a bulletproof man with a car. <laughs> And these people will be the hostage, er, and the hostagee. Yes. But we also find out that the woman that this girl was with was, in fact, her, her lover. lover. The, the lover of the young, young girl. girl. Yeah. And also, girl quintessential is... Kenichi Sonata crazy bitch. Yeah, the typical Kenichi Sonata villain, if you've ever read Gunsmith Cats, is a crazy psychopath woman who is only looking out for herself and is abusive and somewhat sadistic. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally loses limbs or multiple limbs and replaces them with guns. This yes. anime isn't quite long enough for the limb loss and the guns, but the second episode would have had. Yeah, that. it would have totally. But the first episode, we just deal with this woman coming in and realizing that her young lover is being is cheating on her and proceeds to beat the shit out of her. It's not just bitch slaps; it's the knee to the gut and the elbow yes. to the back, and and then she kisses her, and then it's okay because that's how kids work. That's how lesbians are, right? Yeah, I think so. Amanda. Silence has taken his consent, just like in the castle of Cagliostro. <laughs> is my roommate asleep? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? It's too late now. <laughs> you snoozed and you lost. Right. Literally. Elbow, elbow her in the side. Ugh. We're talking about lesbians, lesbians, Amanda. Oh, I love lesbians. <laughs> she owns all the tapes. <laughs> Why did they take this guy hostage? This guy is the father of this uh, girl. What a shitty family. The entire family has been taken hostage. Yeah, what's up with this family? What were they doing? This is like the worst rich family security ever. (laughs) Actually, it's the best rich family security. No, because they could not actually keep the people from being kidnapped. And they they tried to blow up the car that had the girl in it. With an anti-tank rifle. Yeah. Anti-tank rifle. (sighs) We also are treated to the girl being delivered to this estate and in one of probably one of the best hostage delivery scenes i think that i've ever seen again this car that riding bean has no his is, name is bean bandit riding bean, bean isn't a name no riding, riding bean, bean is, just, is just a description of what it is that he does he rides he's bean he rides therefore he's riding bean but he's exactly. bean bandit this is complicated this is a very intricate story and uh, we need to go through it very slowly but yes uh, bean is trying to deliver this child to this mansion. Apparently, he's then supposedly trapped. And this one guy comes up to him and is like, uh, get out of that shitty car and talk to me a bit, and then spits on his car. This spits on his car in a heart-shaped saliva wad. Yeah, that was totally a fucking heart shape. That's a talent. Wish I could do that. You can do that. I'm sure you can. Fuck. Go find me something to spit on. Don't walk over here. But yeah, you, you, you've neglected to mention the most important feature of the, the Roadbuster car mobile, which is vital to carrying out this scene. I mean, they wouldn't just yes. have him do this out of nowhere. That would be betraying a narrative convention. They have to establish that the car can do this at first during the opening chase. Yeah, this is kind of complicated to explain, but I'll just say that the Roadbuster's wheels can turn a complete 90 degrees in either direction. So if you need to go completely left or right, you don't do a turn. You just turn the wheels completely 90 degrees. And what do you do? You pin a man to a tree. Yeah, you aren't expecting to be run over by a car that can drive perpendicularly 
Running over is so. I mean, yeah, it's like they know to not stand in front of a car, but they weren't counting on the fact that Bean has the second smaller steering wheel within his steering wheel solely for driving into people up a tree. Sideways. 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 And then running the tires so the guy is just now, I don't know if he's dead. He just keeps going. I think he's dead. I'm pretty sure. I am 100% sure. So this guy is just being like mutilated against this tree and just is falling on the ground. And And then he keeps revving the tires. (laughs) (laughs) He revs the tires enough until the guy's body literally flies up at approximately 90 miles an hour into the top of the tree. I'll teach you to spit hearts on my car. I believe the dub line was, piece of shit, junkie, like hell. <laughs> in, in, that, in that same voice intonation. That is roughly the level of, of depth and menace in Bean Bandit's voice. Don't, yeah. don't let the shenanigans fool you. This is one of the best action sequences. Oh, yeah, it's grand. Seen. I mean, because, I mean, all these guys, guards are all outfitted with tons and tons of guns. And, you know, they Including think... an anti-tank ride. Yeah, they, they think that they can stop this car by shooting at it, but it's bulletproof. And none of them are Gogol 13, so bulletproof glass is actually a real deterrent. Right. As opposed and- to that you can't shoot this car, Gogol 13, it's got bulletproof glass. Doom. And he shoots <laughs> through the bulletproof glass. But no, no <laughs> such luck in this one, you know, so... But yes, I should start to cut this short. Why not? Because it's been 45 minutes. It's been 45 minutes, and this OAV is 45 minutes, and we are actually discussing it slower than if it were just we were just watching. <laughs> I was the just going to say that at one point we're randomly. Still talking about the shit. I'm just talking to Gerald. Yeah, we're just chatting. We, we need to get to important scenes as well, such as chilling out at the Flying J with trucks and all that, and being ordering from a very American restaurant. An average lunch for me. And through brilliant deduction, he realizes that this truck that's driving out of this place is the same truck that caused him problems in the beginning of the show. Being driven by a man in a pink vest. You can tell this dude's a douchebag, because his <laughs> pink shirt with the popped collar. I'm like, Blue you're undershirt. just rooting for him to get his. And so immediately, Bean just says, hey, see that truck? Hey, Riley, shoot that truck. <laughs> And she's like, okay, and she, one motion, draws her, I don't know if it's the CZ-75 at this point, I just know it's a gun. Immediately proceeds to put three bullets in the side of the dude's face. Yes. Does not kill him. Not dead. I'm thinking it more took out the windshield, or the, the window. Yeah, it broke out the driver's side window, and then maybe glass. some glass sort of, you know, hurt him. How did Rally end up working with Bean? That's what Gunsmith Cats is all about. Oh, uh, she exactly. found him on Craigslist. Yeah, Craigslist. <laughs> roommates needed. R- roommates? I mean, she's I, not I, his roommate. She lives in a separate Cats, place. But not in a long time. Why was she so, over there then? She, I possibly she, forgot. Remember, she was getting her tits out in a different place when she was putting those four apples in the blender. No, they don't live together. It's just, you know, Craigslist wanted partner to shoot things as I am driving. Prefer- Inquire within. Preferably Prefer- blonde and white. No Indians, please. <laughs> Prefer- preferably, please wear garters underneath your underwear for maximum... It's, uh, it stabilizes her ability to shoot things. There is a continuity error in that dressing scene as well. Yeah. I looked at it closely. I bet you did. <laughs> eight times at least. But... The car chase that ensues, like, you, you would think that you couldn't get a good car chase out of an 18-wheeler and uh, basically a souped-up sports yes, car. Yes, you can. But you'd be wrong, because you aren't counting on the fact that the truck has grenades. Yes. Lots of them. Because that guy was mad that he got you know, glass in his <laughs> eye. So he's like, I'm going to throw a box of grenades at you, Bean Bandit. Right across the driver as well. Yeah, because like, he's in the passenger seat. <laughs> he's in the passenger seat. Just throw grenades across... <laughs> 
through the driver's I eye. I like window. when he throws the first one and Bean just grabs it and like, no, and chucks it away. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Ah, ah, ah. So then the dude, like, throws 12 grenades. <laughs> How did he detonate them all at once? Like, is he... That's just it. That's what we're saying. He must have pulled all the pins at once and chucked them across the driver's seat. This crazy woman that he's driving with has got a plan. You need ballast. You need she, Her plan is, you know, keep this car driving forward. But, of course, you don't have a brick available, so... <laughs> you do the next best thing. Which is get this guy who, the moment you see this pink vest, you know this is going to be his fate. <laughs> and his fate is to be a weight to hold down an accelerator. By the, shooting him in the yeah. head. Yes. Just hey, bend him. down, pick something up for me. Oh, see anything? <laughs> the two gunshots. Yeah. And then she just jumps out the back window into a car. That's in the trailer section. And then there's like another henchman. Who's in that car with his, We haven't seen the entire We've never show. seen the entire time and he's wearing shades. Like, you're inside a dark trailer with no light source and just a <laughs> bunch of boxes, and yet you gotta wear shades to complete the look. Yeah. He probably saw that music video too much in the eighties. You know, I wear my sunglasses at night and he thought he was being a cool bro. Yeah. You are a cool bro. Riding around the back of a trailer is well, a cool bro all the time. <laughs> I speak from personal experience. <laughs> Now, now, here's my question. Originally, the plan was they weren't counting on Bean to find them. They were just saying, like, okay, we're going to drive to the airport. Why, then, is there an entire separate car where they're already sitting in there just in case they need to drive out at a high rate of speed? <laughs> Logic in riding Bean? No. The, the right zone is for the immediate loading and unloading. <laughs> hey, you can't do that. Maybe they're just trying to save on parking fees. Maybe. Especially the freaking airport, seriously. Sh Chicago, seriously. Actually, they think they've got Bean's number because they took him to this incomplete road that's still under construction. Yeah. But what they weren't counting on was the fact that if Bean hits the brakes hard enough, spikes will come out from the hubcaps <laughs> and dig yes. into the concrete, allowing him to stop more faster, kind of, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> What I was wondering, though, is when he retracts the spikes, I was wondering if the car was just going to immediately tip over and fall, but that was not to be. No. It just helps him break. I really like those spikes. Yeah, th there doesn't seem to be any sort of control for, like, deploy spikes. I was just hoping, like, if he hits the brakes hard enough at any given time, the spikes just come out. Yeah. But they don't. I wonder if there have been any, like, repairmen that have been killed by that, of, by, like, changing the tires. <laughs> and just take it off, and then suddenly these spikes fly out and kill oh. them. It would be unfortunate. And hilarious. And hilarious. <laughs> That's how you know the roommate. <laughs> Amanda, you've been around Gerald too long. No. I, I like people dying. It's, oh. But yeah, somehow they end up uh, having this but pretty anyway, excellent we, we, car chase throughout downtown, and they end up in a parking garage. Yes, we need to talk about this parking garage because this review is not a review. It's not it's even a review. Summer. I'm just listening to you talk. Well, there's a ten millimeter around. <laughs> But anyway, we need to get to this. No, we're gonna lose all the rest of our gay listeners if we keep saying that word. Oh, Do we have any bad. gay listeners? Yeah. We don't want them. All right. No. I'm sorry. Hey. <laughs> I would like to apologize <laughs> profusely <laughs> to Nick Lancaster. <laughs> why, why are you hitting Ryan your head on the table? His head on the table? I know, it's picking up on the microphone. Pause. <laughs> Ryan is now regretting the fact that he wanted to be on the show. <laughs> Space Ghost, I'm pregnant. <laughs> 
But yes, anyway, they are in this underground <laughs> parking garage, and all that Bean has is a knife. And you realize that all that Bean needs... You can't bring a gun to a knife fight. Everybody my, knows my that. My roommate's approaching me with a Bring thing of Bailey's. She <laughs> set it on my St. Brendan's Irish cream liqueur. You want me to open this on the while I'm reviewing Yeah, this? just okay. keep talking about it. Okay. Open it with your teeth and your mullet that you don't have. It. <laughs> I thought that's what happened when you passed... I thought that's what happened when you passed the lesbian test, is you can open jars on your own. You don't no, need a man to do it. It's the Anne Heche effect. This is a jerk jar? Well, you're, well, you need to. You need to. You're being banned. So you need an asshole to open it up. Okay. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. But I really think the All highlight right, of anime sweet. is. If, if you just wanted to know what is anime... I have to drive people home. You wouldn't need to actually have some sort of anime is martial arts, any sort of thing. You just need to play the clip of what happens in this parking garage. Yes, all that Bean has is a knife. All that Bean needs is a knife. Because, and Clarissa's motioning to me to lengthen this out. So. <laughs> That's the gesture I interpreted it to be. Shortening the scene down significantly, I think one of the more important parts of this particular scene is, of course, the surprise bullet, again... People think you've got Riding Bean's number because just because you have a gun. Guns do not work on Bean, especially if you try to shoot Bean in the head. Needless to say, I really want to get a Kevlar bandana. See, there's no explanation ever given. You Kevlar doesn't work the way you think it does. It's, but it's Kevlar reinforced with steel. No explanation is ever given as to why Bean can get shot and not care. It did not dawn on me as a child that his clothes are bulletproof. That's the actual reason. His clothes are bulletproof. Yes. But... That is never at any point stated like Bean Bandit, the man with the bulletproof clothes, the road buster with the bulletproof car. <laughs> he sure doesn't like bullets, that Bean. A man who can you just sort of think like, what is he, Luke? Unbreakable skin, motherfucker. He gets shot in the head and it just sort of makes him loopy. And yes. then, then he's just mad. And it's like, wow. Let's drive a car into him. But really what happened was she shot him in his bandana, which is made of the same bulletproof material. <laughs> Jacket. As all the rest of his clothes. I yes. want to know who is his tailor. The guy that makes the Batman suits. Morgan Freeman can't be everywhere at once. All right, clearly what people need to learn is to shoot Bean in the part of the face that does not have the bandana on it. Just aim for the gigantic chin. What if he has shit? Well, you know, he does have that large, mysterious scar between his eyes, presumably from the time that Kaio used his Hokuto Ryuken to erase his memories. <laughs> And make him forget that he is, in fact, Kenshiro's brother. Uh, that is where that scar between the eyes comes from. He only has one. I want the ability to, if a car is driving at me, not, not, one not, to blood jump, not to jump out of the way of a car, but to run at it. And then yeah, he runs and shoulder blocks it. Shoulder blocks a car. And lifts it up. <laughs> and this woman still thinks she can take him. Yeah, she's still, still laughing. She's like, I'm going to get this Saturday night special. It's really just an excuse to show off her garter. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, hooray, pause. No, I'm it's not It's a Gerald really... approved pointless panty shot. Really. Yeah, well, there's not really panties involved in this equation. No, it's a garter. It's more just garter, no That's panties. A, it's hinting at it. She was unable to complete the job with three guns at this point. Because remember, she fired off one gun, then she drew the other gun. Yes. And, and now she's got, like, the crappy Derringer in her garter. Maybe she car. thought she could aim for the, the rest of the face there, or something. Yeah. Also, there is a car, which is, like, a really big gun. Yeah. yeah. That's like a slow-moving bullet. Yeah. That's like a bullet. So. Like, bullets is enormous. There is no escape. Or, or maybe the secret is how they had to kill, um... Oh, fuck. I, I forgot what, what it was from. But it was, like, they had to shoot it, like, the ear or the eye so the bullet could ricochet around inside the skull and liquefy the brain. Hmm. Just shoot him in the ear. 
Was that an episode of Gummy Bears? <laughs> yes. Yes, Gerald. I remember that. Episode. I remember when Lorenzo Music drank that gummy juice and started bouncing around like that book. I think it was the relic, the book, not the shitty movie. Oh, the Guillermo del Toro. But yes, we don't need to go. I, I don't know. I'm I think totally we've. Good. I think we've reviewed, quote unquote, this OAV enough. You didn't talk about the time where Rayleigh Vincent shot that shitty dude's shades for the crime of wearing shades, not just inside <laughs> the dark trailer, but inside the parking, parking garage. garage. I wonder if Bean's shades are bulletproof. I think they are. They I mean, must oh, be. Maybe, yeah. Well, yes. Maybe the secret to wearing bulletproof clothes is to eat a lot of walnuts. Yeah, and not take them without out of the actually shells, taking just, them out from the shell. Just just crunch on walnuts. Nah, uh, it's it's time to kill somebody. You better put some walnuts in my mouth and look intimidating. You look pretty That's intimidating. intimidating. If a guy came up to you with walnuts in his mouth and ate them, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I think I would just kind of stare and be like, make "Are a, you okay? Are you retarded? You knew you're supposed to take those out." This right? now, mm. I think Gerald, what you need to do so that you can. Gain the powers of this man is chin just, implants. Yeah, just just we could pay. I, I'm a cosplayer. I could pay for Mache you a shin a chin. <laughs> or you could just eat a bunch of Doritos. You know, crunch all you want, and Jay Leno will make more. And you eat the more Doritos, you get a Jay Leno chin because it's endorsed by Jay Leno. <laughs> but Bean only has a chin. He doesn't have the rest of the Jay Leno. Just a chin. I bet Jay Leno used to have that hair. And then he went into major television and then lost all the That's powers. the secret. Bean is actually Jay Leno. Yeah, Bean Bandit is Jay Leno. Clearly. He got old and then he decided to go do talk. Although he is from Chicago, so he might be Ryan Gavigan. <laughs> Notice you've never seen Bean Bandit and Ryan Gavigan in the same Together? place? Together? <laughs> Only recordings of Bean Bandit. Yes, I see. <laughs> I am now completely nonplussed by the, this entirety of this review, considering Writing Bean is one of my five favorite anime of all time, and I still consider it one of the best things to ever show anybody if they want to see anime for the first time, because it is just that cool. Yeah, I mean, totally. Like I said, that's like the first anime I ever saw. When I say, like, anime I ever saw, I mean, like, I knew it was anime. Because I'd seen Robotech, but... You know, I was sort of aware that was a Japanese thing. I'd been reading about things, but then a friend of mine was like, oh, no, you got to watch this thing, Riding Bean. He gets shot and he doesn't care. And I was like, he hands me the tape. It's like a dub copy of this thing. It's the dub of Riding Bean. That's the first thing I see. And then after that, next thing on the tape is episode one of Area 88, subtitled, because the dub for that wasn't made until the DVDs came out. So that was like my introduction to anime proper. Riding Bean, Area 88. And those are kind of still like... And while Bean, I should say, Riding Bean has got a lot of stereotypes of anime that probably anime doesn't need, I think it encapsulates a lot of awesome things about anime in terms of the action, certainly. I thought you were going to say it encapsulates things that anime does need, like Phil Perry soundtrack. More Phil Perry soundtracks, this is true as well. Yeah, the Phil instrumental Perry, parts of that soundtrack are very awesome. Oh, the whole soundtrack is awesome. Yes, Phil Perry, about? as the music that you heard in this review, because we I put the music in after this, that was all done by Phil Perry, and Phil Perry did not know that Riding Bean had been released in America until like some years after it was licensed, and then he found out about this and then asked... Where was his royalty check? Yes, asked Anamigo for another check. Anamigo. And then Robert Wood had changed his personal theme song to Every Time You See Me I'm Running, running from Phil Perry. <laughs> But yes. Um, but we haven't talked about the hilarious ending credits song. I just did. They're gonna, they're gonna hear that. It's so, it so so romantic song. I just wanted to get up and slow dance. It's part of the Dave Riley Witching Hour. 
The ending theme song is uh, not exactly reminiscent of the very last scene that you see <laughs> in writing. It the... doesn't seem to have anything to do whatsoever. Like it doesn't fit at all. I think that it has a very weird fit. I think it fits in a very. How well does it fit compared to like the ending theme song to Devil Hunter Yoko? <laughs> or Bubblegum Crisis? Why did you tell us, Daryl? I don't know. I your... think the Mr. Dandy is the ultimate. Mr. Dandy's unrelated the song to play at the end of your anime. Like, <laughs> exactly. Hey, Mr. Dandy. Hey, Mr. Joy. How do you pronounce that band? Blue. Blue. They did Blue one other song w for. At the end. They did one other song for anime, which was a very happy song for Kimaguri Orange Road, and then did nothing else that I can tell. But yes, writing Bean. I uh, I would agree with you, Ryan. I think in terms of length. And just action and awesomeness. I think that Writing Bean is probably the best anime that I've ever seen. If I if I put it together, length and all that other stuff as well. Per capita moments. Yes, per capita minutes of time spent in terms of action and good things happening on screen. It's a very high content cartoon, like yes. Angel Cop. Slightly less uh, Jew references and the Jews causing problems and things like that. It is Chicago. Yes. This is Chicago, isn't it, Ryan? It is, but it was Chicago before Sonoda ever visited Chicago, so it's slightly, it's Hollywood Chicago. It's slightly full of mountains. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck full of mountains. Miami Guns depicted Miami very accurately. It was a land just called Miami where they had Miami money. It wasn't necessarily Miami, Florida. Believe me, Gunsmith Cats is much more oh, yeah, accurate. They, they, lots and lots of location scouting, and yeah. Kenichi Sonata did him some gun rentals and you know, did some firings and such for that one not so for this but i think no. we got something magical as a result i do think so too and i, I think i take gunsmith cats over riding bean but that's because i like rally a lot more than i like yeah but i hate mini may more than i i don't know i'm not big on mini may either but like i guess for me beans kind of not that interesting so the best parts of the gunsmith cats manga were the parts where bean showed up was bean like, was pretty awesome car dog and then it wasn't there and i was like damn you lawyers i liked riffraff I don't know, magically indestructible people only go so far in terms of interest. Well, he's not indestructible, all right? No. He's got a weak spot, and that weak spot is children. But not in the way that you might think. Oh. No, I think it is. But he does go out of his way to watch two movies two a week movies with heroic things in there. <laughs> Which is why he knows how to be a good person. That's where he gets all of his moral lessons from. No, he's not a good person. He's a bad guy with a heart of gold. You know like how Julia Roberts was the hooker with the heart of gold? <laughs> And then she became the hooker with the heart of Explode next week. <sighs> Bean Bandit is like that, except he didn't. the heart didn't blow up. That's true. But yes, Writing Bean, you can find it online still, I believe. It's, I believe it's still pretty easy to find. This is not especially expensive. Probably some of the best per dollar action that you'll ever get in, in terms of anime. No complaints, and I believe everybody should check this out. This is a very good thing, I think, to show to an early anime fan. It's also a better thing to show to uh, young children. And also, if you need to have a date movie, I think Riding Bean... If their tastes are of a certain Bad, type... then they won't like it. Yeah, if Shut you, up, Gerald. If you show Riding Bean to like your date <laughs> and she doesn't like it, you can break up with her. You don't need her. I watched for the first time last night and thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, see? So, but I mean, you know. Well, I mean, it's, I guess it just depends on what you want out of a show. What you want out of anime, if you want good things. If you have you taste like Daryl and Gerald and Amanda. And, and awesome people. Then... If you're awesome like the people on this side of the room, then <laughs> then Riding Bean is the cartoon. I'm not saying it was a bad show. Yeah, I I'm like saying it. this is like the top tier. Uh, uh, anyway. Go out and watch this. This is 
very good. It is it money is well spent. Show. Very fun. It's not especially deep. Don't but think it, about it, though. But it doesn't have to be Turn deep. It is, it is 45 minutes, and it's the best 45 minutes that you will ever spend. You think too much about this uh, show, it will be stupid. Yeah, and enough people buy it, then you can convince Robert Woodhead to redub it with Jason Statham as the voice of Bean Bear. Oh, God. Yes, I'm sure Jason Statham would work over everything out of that body. <laughs> no, he'd use his American accent like he did in The One with Jet Li. I am recording, but we need to stop. So <laughs> I'm just waiting talk, for you to hit stop. We can talk about bread. I'm not necessarily... I'm I just. This cream. is your review. Uh, you're the one driving this. Look, we are now longer... Than the video, I, they could have watched the video in shorter time you. than us talking about it. So let's yeah. see if Ryan and Clarissa can talk about yakitate in Japan in less time than it takes to watch a sixty-plus episode TV series. <laughs> I fucking hope so. City. Hi, I'm DJ Gladiator. We are the Japan Experience. You can hear us talking about Japan, travel, and music. So check us out at our new website at www.jrajo.net. Or you can check us out on your local podcast server, including iTunes. We are TJX, the Japan Experience. And now we are going to talk about something that, as far as I know, did not involve Kenichi Sonoda in any way. That we're aware of at this time. Yes. That would be Yakitate Japan, which was originally a manga that ran in Shonen Sunday by Takashi Hashiguchi. Well, Hachiguchi, at least like Sonoda, did spend most of his formulative years in high school thinking boobs, 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 boobs. <laughs> as stated in the Omake manga at the end of one of the volumes. Yes. And it was made into an anime series from about 2004 to 2006 for 69 episodes. What is Yakitate Japan about? Well, as we mentioned before, Yakitate Japan is about bread and the baking thereof. The title actually means, well, Yakitate means like freshly baked, and Japan in the title is a pun. In Japan, the word for bread is pan, the same as it is in various Spanish, possibly also Portuguese dialects. 
So, Japan would be a bread made specifically to appeal to the Japanese people, the so-called national Japanese bread, as it were, which is the aim of the main character, Azuma Kazuma. That's uh, all he wants. Basically, this dude was a kid, and his grandfather is a, a rice farmer. Obviously, like many Japanese people, eats lots of rice and hates bread. Wait, is that true about the Japanese people? I understand that eats lots of rice, but the hating no, bread? No, no, no. Well, I, this dude hated bread. Okay. Because he's very old and... Traditional old man. They explained that in World War II, the soldier, the American soldiers would force them to eat really shitty quality bread. Did they use the term yellow monkeys? Because that's the only time you ever see the phrase yellow monkeys appears. Japanese people describing American people no. talking down to the sick man of they, Asia. They did not uh, I guess ever show a scene of American soldiers calling people yellow monkeys, but uh, we can probably assume that they would have if that, if that scene had been in the show. So... Kazuma wants to make a bread that's so delicious that even a diehard rice eater like his grandfather would think it was delicious. I wonder if that of course, this was after rice. our main character, Kazuma, was, who was originally turned off to bread, was yes. enlightened by a local his baker. His sister. Yeah, his sister dragged sister him to a, him to a local, local bakery. bakery where mm. he was given the shock of his life by finding out that this bread, bread could is... be delicious. Exactly. Right, yes. so, so the objective is, much like how we've got... French bread, Italian yes. bread, Cuban English bread. bread. Yes, they want Japanese bread. Exactly. Wait, we, there's English bread. I didn't even know there was such a thing as English food. According muffins, to the opening, okay, you know, sequence. Yes. Yeah, so Japan is obviously a pun on Japan, the name of the country, and pun the word for bread. The thing about yakitate Japan is that it's not like a regular cooking series. It's heavily inspired by stuff like Mr. Ajiko, which is the show that inspired Iron Chef. Also by Yasuhiro Imagawa. Very good show from what I've seen. So. Yeah, we've seen a few episodes. It's pretty cool so far. Yeah. Basically, the premise of Mr. Ajiko was they would cook something and take a bite out of it, and then Yasuhiro Imagawa was sitting around saying, how do I convey to an anime-watching viewer food. that food is good? And the answer is LSD head trips. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And that that went on for several, like, a hundred-some episodes. Right. I can only assume that Hashiguchi grew up watching Mr. Ajiko and was like, yes, I can do exactly that. So he, he wrote this series all about bread, and what it is is it's basically like a shonen fighting series, but replace people punching each other with people competitively making bread. So there are, like, multiple tournament arcs. People have to go train and develop new, exciting bread-making techniques to combat their opponents, and they have to power up, as it were, by doing rigorous training. Covering uh, themselves yeah. in flour? Well, it's not really. Like, okay, so the main character... You gotta character, grow yourself an afro. Yes. The main character, Ozma, is considered to be special because he has what they call soul hands. This makes him especially well-suited to being a baker. Basically what it means is that his hands are really warm all the time, and the yeast in bread uh, likes high temperatures to ferment. And so if you have really warm hands when you're kneading the dough, it helps it to ferment much more quickly and at much better quality. So Ozma is naturally good at making bread, even before learning actual techniques. But like other people who aren't naturally gifted with solar hands, at least according to this series, can halfway fake it 
by obtaining what they refer to as solar gauntlets. Basically, they train like motherfuckers to get really ripped, and all of the muscle on their bodies, and especially their arms, and in the increase in metabolism that they gain by exercising, gives them increased blood flow, and the muscle, like, I don't know, it has some insulating property or something, so they, they end up with warmer hands than they normally As you can have. tell, like any shonen fighting show, there is a lot of arbitrary, made-up, quasi-scientific bullshit to explain yes. why it is that they can do impossible things that no one else can do. Which it makes it a really cool show because that kind of goes against kind of the reality of some of the actual dishes that they're actually yeah. making, all the bread, because yeah, it's I all mean, quite intricate, of... yet, but it's all quite realistic and right. believable. Yeah, most, if not all, of the breads that they make in the show are actually real breads. And in the manga, they don't really do this in the anime. They do have, at the end of each episode, <clears throat> they have a, a scene called uh, the Yakitate Japan Seed of Knowledge, where they basically talk about some fact relating to the ingredients that they used in that episode or a bread-making technique. So it's like got a little bit of educational value. In the manga, they would actually include recipes for some of the bread. There's a part in the show where Azuma... Actually, they did this in the manga, but I don't think they did it in the anime, where he makes bread using a rice cooker. That was yes. actually in the anime. Was it? Okay, I, I it forgot done and seeing it. It was later on in the show, but um, what I wanted to mention was that as our main character is going through his you know progression of mm -hmm. learning everything, and one of the things he's doing, he's constantly making new recipes and numbering them, right. because he wants to make the Japan. Yeah. And so every time throughout Japan the series, number 44. Yeah, so Japan he'll whip number... out Japan number 41 or if it's yeah. coming up to a new tournament his brand new thing will, you know, Japan number 50 or yeah. he'll come back and he'll and in one episode later on, he pulled something out of his out of his hat, you know, his Japan mm -hmm. number two, which was yeah. making bread in a rice cooker. And right. literally at the end of the episode, in guise of our main character telling one of the other characters about how to make this recipe, they uh -huh. actually physically show the recipe. And I wanted yeah. to bring that up only because I've actually gone ahead and had Japan you did number make two. It? I yeah. didn't make it. A friend of mine made it. We didn't have the best rice cooker mm. in the world. So it probably wasn't near as good as it could right. have been, but it was still really good. So can do it. Yeah. And in the manga, the, in the manga, they'll give you the recipes. It's my understanding that they actually had some sort of crazy baker dude as a consultant for this yes. comic book. Yes, they did. Hashiguchi got a guy named... Oshimura, Ushimura, something like that. Uh, Swedish chef. Derp de derp de derp de derp de in a rice cooker. Yes. Yeah, expert. We're going to make the chocolate mousse. First you take the mousse. Oh yes, Koichi Uchimura, who creates bread similar to it in the, the manga. Apparently he runs a bakery called Pan no Mimi in Kyoto. Also, when they show the sponsors for the anime, like, one of them is a, a bakery of some yeah, sort, like Yamaguchi Pan or something. Because yeah, I remember I thought, like, because of the success of this comic, his store became obscenely successful. Yeah, apparently, um, I think it was something similar to Hikaru no Go, or, like, Hikaru no Go came out and Go became much more popular, and so I think something kind of similar happened with Yakutate Japan. Right, it was originally it was supposed to be, like, a really short run, maybe, like, a five-week Right, week and then it was so popular that they yeah. extended it, and it Went eventually... five weeks till to 26 Tonkobans. Yes, so it, it did Just quite one more well. than Fist of the North Star. <laughs> Which is it amazingly did. apropos, because yeah, Yakutate Japan is very much... a lot of references... Uh, 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 very much of a mix of Mr. Ajiko-chan with Fist of the North Star mm -hmm. and Iron Chef, all kind of 
Yeah, because because like we said, it, it follows that shonen fighting yeah, formula, and it goes to so. show that it doesn't really matter what it is you're doing in your shonen fighting show. All that really matters is the what is he doing? Oh, that is incredible! Oh, you cannot beat me! I have new touching unstoppable! Oh yeah! <laughs> but I have learned a new super duper technique. That's really yes, but they're all wearing aprons. Yeah, yes. that's really yes. what drives things. And you know, right. the, the best way to be a chef may be to be a, an ultimate sword wielding badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best way to be a chef may in fact be to train your body to look just like Kenshiro from Fist of the North And have an afro. Yeah. And the best way to be a chef might be to learn Chinese martial arts. And assassination and, and the ult- maybe the absolute best way to learn how to be an excellent baker is to be a motherfucking clown. There's well, the no clown wasn't know. a baker, you, you but he was, a, he was a marvelous a uh, judge anything. of flavor. Or just but, um, wear, what, a panda mask as well? No, the koala. The koala the mask. Koala the koala mask is what you do to regain your fallen honor. After yes. you've been humiliated and your ego took you too far, and you had to f- have to regain what it means to be a true baker, then you put on a koala mask and, and right. a newcomer's come competition. There's also like a lot of as Daryl mentioned, the crazy LSD head trips, uh, you know, Yakutate, really Japan. The secret behind the success of why it was just initially planned for five weeks, and then it went on. How do you stretch this premise yeah. out for as long as you do? The answer is this. Yeah, what happens is, after the very beginning of the series, and they introduce Azuma, and why he learned to bake bread, and, and, and the- his quest to make Japan, basically he goes to Tokyo to do this contest to determine who will be hired as the new employee of the most famous bakery in Japan, which is the store called Pantasia. Get it? Yeah. Think the last season of House. Yeah, and so they all have to compete by making various breads according to different challenges that are given to them each day or week or whatever. Because like a real baker is able to do X, Y, and Z, and if you can't do X, Y, and Z, then you can't work here. Exactly. And the judge for this is one of the coolest characters in the show, a guy named Kuryanagi Ryo, who is one of the best Koyasu Takehito performances possibly ever. And he's the first one that introduces this, like, having crazy, over-the-top reactions to the different breads. And this just gets progressively more complex and interesting throughout the entire arc of the show. Usually what they'll be is they'll involve some kind of pun based on either the name of the bread or a key ingredient that was used in the bread, and they'll have mm-hmm. some kind of elaborate setup that leads up to this thing that sounds similar to the bread name or the ingredient yes, my, name. My favorite, my favorite is one of our main character's adversaries in the early parts, who eventually mm-hmm. becomes one of his allies. And you as, know, as is typical with the yeah, uh, exactly. general, T- typical with the internal logic of, right. of a shonen action. Yeah, Suabara is this guy who's like a, a Japanese sword master, but he right. decides to become a baker because he wants to follow the path of life and not death. right because bread gives life and the sword can gives only, only kill. death. But the gun shoots death and brings new life. <laughs> and once Suobaro was defeated by our main character, he went back and one of his researches is that he found out that most food comes from stealing things from other types right, of food. Right, right. And so he decides to bring this technique into his baking. So he decides to make a new line of bread called 
Lupin, as in Lupin the Third. Yes, right. Indeed. And because Lupin, well, the original Arsene Lupin, Lupin, the gentleman yes. thief, who, of course, being a thief, would steal things, and so by stealing food ideas to make bread, you have. Yeah, and, and actually, a Suvar oh. swordmaster points out, he's like, all great swordmasters stole their techniques yes. from somewhere else and then founded their own school, so there's no dishonor in stealing. So one of the the kind of hilarious things about Japan and Ozma is that in the fine tradition of shonen main characters, Ozma is kind of an idiot. He knows about a few things, like he knows about rice because his family, you know, grows rice. But other than that, he's he's kind of dumb. And even though he's really good at making bread, he didn't really have formal training. Most of the stuff he he does, he comes up with himself, which inadvertently ends up being the identical same thing, to various yeah. bread dishes. Like that oh, he invents a croissant <laughs> based on this idea that he has for a Japanese bread, and then people are like, no, that's a French croissant. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? I invented that. Yeah, and it's kind of hilarious because in the quest to make Japanese bread, he basically tries to make breads that either go well with or are reminiscent of and incorporate ingredients from very basic Japanese foods. And sometimes it's kind of hilarious because he'll use foods that are not actually Japanese, just Japanese people like them. Like, one of my favorites is when he makes a curry bread. Oh, yeah. A bread that's That's meant to go well with curry. That's like the second episode, I think. Yeah, it's early Mm -hmm. on in the Pantasia. Uh, newcomers auditions and they're like curry's not a japanese food it's from india and he's like what are you talking about one of the basic uh, wet structures the way the story goes is that okay our main hero of course starts his quest off in japan so he, right. he, ma- he makes his way into the bread making stores then mm-hmm. of course he becomes a legend in japan and then right. they, the next arc goes to of course the Mon- next like level a monaco cup. the international bread making yes. world cup called the monaco cup that's where the clown comes in because that's- he's the judge for the monaco cup and also cup. the shah osnable masked man yes meister kirisaki yeah, the general manager before gundam had meisters this was the, the other Meister. <laughs> yes. Before it ends with a final arc back in Japan where, of course, by the end of the series, right. you find out Azuma Kazuma finally fights the overall nemesis who's been basically yeah. behind everything against him in this entire series, of course, where he goes right, back to the right. beginning and everything ties up nice and neat. Right, because like any other shonen series, of course, we've talked about this before, where the plot is actually very simple, very formulaic, but they layer these very complicated seeming plot lines on top of it. And Yakutate Japan has a similar thing. Basically, the store that Ozma ends up working at is not actually the regular main branch of Pantasia. It's the southern Tokyo branch, which is a very small branch that's not doing very well. And they introduce this whole storyline about Tsukino, who's the girl who runs the southern Tokyo branch, and that she's the granddaughter of the head guy of Pantasia. But her mother was a woman who, you know, was basically the mistress or other wife of the guy. Her half-sisters hate her and don't want her to be involved with the store. And there so will be she's, a quiz next episode. Yeah, so she's <laughs> feuding with her half-sisters over control of Pantasia and her involvement in it, and her one sister is especially exceptionally evil. And all this makes a good, like, you know, spice to the regular, right. like, progression of the story that right. goes along. Not but... only because of the soap opera aspect, but also because there's a lot of boobs flying out as a result of all these characters because that was the other integral part of 
Yaktati Japan's success was the tits and bread. Two most. There's not actually staples. that much boobs. It, it is pretty funny though that every time the sisters appear, I think it was the sisters in the manga, they had progressively less clothing on. Yes, that was the running oh, gag right, right. with the super evil woman wearing yeah. progressively fewer and fewer articles of clothing. I mean, I was thinking like, okay, there was a one of the American girls in the Monaco Cup who at one point decided to wear a red, white, and blue star and stripes motif bikini to her competition well, in how order is she to intimidate Suabara. Well, she did it specifically to intimidate Suabara, the samurai guy. Asian man's kryptonite. She correctly assumed that he was a fairly monkish guy with no experience with women and would not uh, be able to handle it. What do them. monks want to do when they want to try to <laughs> get everything off of their mind? <laughs> about the outside world. They strip off all their clothes themselves yes. and stick themselves underneath the water. So they had somewhere. a mostly naked bread battle. Yeah, for the, the lady. About, yeah, I think the thing about Tsukino that's sort of weird is like, is her voice actor for the anime like someone who never did any acting before? Because her voice sounded really bizarre it and weird. It is pretty odd, especially in the beginning. I don't remember... One of my favorite episodes of this entire series, just because it took something entirely to the extreme in terms of parody, is episode, I believe, 29. I'll only spoil a little is bit. Is that of the it. Gundam parody? It's the Gundam episode. I was, I was going to mention that one. Where they like, pretty much do an analog of the entire Black Tri-Stars uh, yes. episode of Gun the original Gundam. Okay. That's one of my favorite reactions, because it starts out as a Princess Kaguya, like, rabbit in the moon reaction, exactly. and then it evolves into a Gundam parody that is so complex that they actually put a warning on the screen saying, note, this program is Yakitate Japan. Yeah, not, <laughs> they actually did, you know, he used he used him as a springboard. They yes. used, actually used the same damn line that they use in... We ended up using an anime hell in the, uh, yeah, the 3D right. Gundam. Matilda-san. 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 The voice actress for Tsukino is a woman named Chihiro Otsuka, who, this is the only anime she's ever done. Yeah. She was actually an actress in Darkwater, the live action. The live Japan. action Japanese film wow. Darkwater. Okay. Yeah. So this is interesting. Just, I kind of remember hearing her voice and thinking that sounded a little odd. Because I remember yeah. even even you, Clarissa, had mentioned when you were watching the anime at first, like, "Oh, I'm not sure I like the anime adaptation of Yakuza Japan because Sukino's voice sounds so goddamn weird." Yeah, hmm. it did. Sound that was really years weird. ago, though, so maybe you don't. Yeah, remember. Yeah, it didn't bother me as much this time. Like maybe I had subconsciously gotten used to it or something. But um, it definitely is an interesting take. Like I would have expected her to sound more cutesy. I guess because she is kind of the token cute girl. Although but... after watching it, you know, watching it progressively as it goes on, you realize how little she really actually talks as the series yeah. goes on. So it really doesn't bother you too much by yeah. the end. Yeah, definitely. So if this was even a monkey can draw manga, we would say she was the panty flash character. I don't think there are any panty shots though. With no, I'm just saying the equivalent thereof. Yeah, I guess so. Thematic panties. <laughs> She kind of provides, like, extra motivation for Azuma and the rest of the group. So, even though they all have their own individual motivations, like, Azuma wants to create Japan and create this best bread, and then at first, he's not really competitive with other people, but then eventually he does kind of understand, okay, yeah, I know I do want to face off against these other really strong bakers. Because it's the only way you can reach your way to your goal of creating the Japan. Right, right. And Kawachi, the other guy who's yeah, kind we, of the we, comic we, relief character. Yeah, we gotta talk more about him. Kawashi is uh, this guy that he's also a participant in the the new employee battle at Pantasia. He and Azuma are kind of stationed next to one another, and Kawashi 
initially tries to sabotage Azuma and then trick him into bowing out of the match because Kawachi realizes that Azuma is much better than him. So he comes up with a plan to make up this really elaborate fake sob story about how his brother and sister are starving because yeah. their house burned down that and he has a to really feed them. Moment in the show. Yeah. Yeah. And Azuma, of course, is an idiot, so he buys it completely. Yeah, he's yes. basically the stage one mini boss that becomes his friend later on. Exactly. He's more akin to like the Krillin character. <laughs> Yeah, I'd actually yeah. agree with that, yes. Because it's kind of like, I mean, every once in a while they allow him to do something cool and make a really good bread, and then he's back to being like, useless. Like, go off and grow an afro? Yeah, and then he's back to being kind of useless comic relief yeah. again after that. He also has some pretty good reactions of his own. Yeah. He does have some pretty good reactions. I don't think they're quite on par usually with uh, Kuryonagi's or uh, Piero's. Well, it's because Kuryonagi would have the weird little facial tick before it would launch in. To the really elaborate hallucination. I right, think that's right. really what would sell it. Was the like eyes roll back in the back of the head. <laughs> then you right. know, suddenly I oh look! As a result of eating the bread, I resurrected the dead. Oh no! I think you're thinking of the one, that, the Japan number forty-four. The bread is so good that it sends you to heaven. Yes, that's exactly you actually what like it is. die for like fifteen minutes and go to heaven and then come well, back. Well, it's not revealed. That it's only fifteen minutes. The first time you see it, it's like really grim. It's like oh yeah, I fed it to Grandpa once long, long ago. <laughs> I didn't see him ever again. <laughs> and it, it yeah. made it seem like it was this dramatic irony. Like, oh my God, he fucking murdered this old man for the sake of bread. And only later, the writers are like, oh my God, that's terrifying. No, the joke is that it's only 15 minutes, kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other really good part about Kuryanagi's reactions is that Kuryanagi is like a super genius. He's a food scientist. He went to America and he studied at Harvard. And many of his reactions involve him relating flashbacks from his time in America when he would hang out with this guy named Kid. Who looks suspiciously. Kid is really good because this guy, Kid, every time he shows up, he has the exact same face. It's, it's never a different drawing. It's always the exact same face. And there's a good reason for this. Yeah, the joke is that Kid is supposed supposed to be basically Hashiguchi drew Brad Pitt based oh, off of this yes. advertisement that Brad Pitt had been in in Japan. The Brad hilarious Pitt's been thing... in a lot of Japanese commercials for people who don't know. Like, he won't do commercials for America, but he does a lot of Japanese commercials. As many Hollywood celebrities do, they don't do commercials here, but they'll go over and do wacky commercials in Japan. And it was based off of one particular Brad Pitt ad in... Right, because he mispronounced a word and... Pronounced something in Japanese and it got kind of popular for a little while, I guess. Of course, it doesn't actually really look like Brad Pitt. Like, you can I probably, tell it's supposed yeah. to be Brad Pitt. I don't know. I don't think I would have realized that it was Brad Pitt if they hadn't explained it. I, in I the think manga. it's the weird teeth. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, Kid, at first, it seems like it's just a one-shot pun right. sort of deal. And then they keep using him. And he starts, like, becoming, in his own bizarre way, this character that only appears in these bizarre hallucinatory flashback reaction shots to eating bread. Right. And then eventually you're rooting for Kid. <laughs> and then other people, like Piero, eventually have reactions that involve Kid. And, like, every time Kid will be doing something different, like this one time, Kid is a star masseuse. And, like, there's one flashback in which Kuryanagi describes how Kid helped him out so much because he was such a lonely Japanese nerd in America. And he's, uh, you know, I even got sick and Kid took care of me and Kid shows up dressed like Blackjack. And, uh... <laughs> and, of course, in the hallucination, Kid is like, no, I didn't do that, stop lying. This show does not take itself very seriously. No, 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 no. This is a totally serious <laughs> show. 
But it's got its own internal logic that it keeps to it. Does. And it makes it so cool because you can follow along, you can get the gags, yeah. you can follow along with the story, and you don't take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. It's not like some other just, we're fighting because we're fighting. No, we're fighting for bread, damn it. Right, we're fighting right. For yeah, the That's really what takes the piss out of a whole lot of the elements of this totally straight-up shonen action formula is that ultimately when you step back, so are fucking bread. <laughs> Yep. But that's also what makes it totally What cool. makes it radical. Yes, yes. It is one of my favorite shows that's come around in the last few years. So. It is a very enjoyable show. I mean, like, I had read the manga a while ago, and I never actually got all the way through the manga. So um, up to the parts I read, it seems like the, the anime is mostly similar. Pretty There's a similar. few things that are different, um, and maybe a few things that don't happen in the in the anime or happen a little differently. Like, there's a, a, a weird character that shows up a couple of times in the anime that I don't think was in the manga. It's a character from another manga, like Wildlife or something. It's like a weird veterinarian dude who has a dog. Oh. I think that that was initially not in the manga, but yeah, it's a totally entertaining show. I know the manga is available here. Viz has been putting it out. Right. And it's pretty close between both the manga and anime, so yeah. basically, if you see one, you've seen the other. Right. right, and I don't think the anime is coming out here, right? I do not know of the anime being licensed. It hasn't been released yet. I don't know if anybody is even interested in it. Yeah, because I predominantly read through the manga. I watched some of the anime, and then I stopped kind of quickly. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, yeah, I pretty much had watched most of the anime before the uh, English version of the manga came out right. here, so I was kind of already spoiled before the manga came out, and I read the first couple, and I was like, mm-hmm. it's just too similar to the anime for me to really get into yeah. the manga. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of cool to see some of the reactions animated out in the series, and some of the voice actors, like, yes, Tsukido's voice actress is kind of a weird choice and, and is kind of weird to get used to, but there's a lot of other good performances. Like I said, I think yeah. Koyasu Takido does a really good job. And of course, yeah, normally I hate that bastard, but it actually, it's when you read the manga, there's kind of like in your head and you attribute a voice, they just sort of play this guy up like the only person you could possibly voice him is Takahito Koyasu. Yeah. Seki Tomokazu is Piero, who also does a really fantastic job. And of course, the second ending theme song is the coolest theme song. Oh, yeah. Song. yeah. The animation for it is... This weird Japanese rap song. It's this Homer in 3D-like animation because it's done entirely in CG of uh, one of the characters... Ken, who uh, has manager. a very similar body type to Kenshiro from Fist yes. of the North Star. Except he has an afro. He's a giant afro and, and big shades. Yeah. In this case, for this uh, animation, he's decked out entirely in 70s disco gear, and he's on the disco floor, and he's uh, dancing and out. grinding his crotch toward the screen to the thumping <laughs> tunes of the beat. And that's really all you need to know about this. <laughs> Yes, indeed. There are a lot of crazy characters. You said the second exit? It's the The second second. ED. I've got to watch this now because this sounds very interesting. Dance like a hero. The only downside is, like many other food series, it will probably make you very hungry and you will want bread. So make sure you have some bread in the house. And if you try to cook the cannabis time donut, you might want something else. (laughs) He's not joking. No, he's not. Holy Jesus. That is the power of weed. <laughs> uh, I was watching the video. I Gerald has it's... just pulled up the second ending. Oh, my God. This Holy is... Jesus, what are these goddamn animals? <laughs> Gerald has just found a new man crush to replace riding, this, to uh, replace being banned. This reminds me of, like, one of the Kara Gunso endings. It, it actually yeah. is somewhat similar. Very, oh, my. Like... <laughs> that is a Lord Alfred Hayes oh, my. <laughs> Oh my, what? Maybe we should just leave it on that note right. <laughs> while Gerald has orgasms. Podcast but everybody should, everybody should watch it if Diggy. they can. Yes, yeah, so, or Diggy. pick up the manga. It spells out the word Diggy.
I like the song. That's not a word. I believe that Diggy is the name of the cheesy Japanese rap group that did that song. Yeah, so, that's, um, that's a false All I know is that yeah. I want some bread right now. Yeah. <laughs> there is even bread in that ending animation you're watching. It's just an awesome dude dancing. <laughs> I think by bread he means cock. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Fresh baked <laughs> cock. Fresh chicken. Fresh warm cock. Uh, is there, I think there's a penis in your mouth right now, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> well, you know So, what? yes, the, uh, yeah. the anime has not been released, but the manga is available. Have fun. Get some bread. Some say. Alright, so that's going to do it for this episode of Anime World Order, show number 75, and only took us seven hours to do the recording. We did fast this time. Yeah! Go team! (laughs) Anyway, if you would like to leave feedback for this episode, you can uh, shoot us emails. Email address is animeworldorder at gmail.com. You can download all the previous episodes at animeworldorder.com because we've got review index and archives and crap like that. You can leave us comments too if you so desire. I think we probably got polls and stuff. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but we do have BitTorrent links for the newer episodes just because we know some people who are not in the U.S. have a bit of trouble getting the episodes quickly when they come out due to our U.S.-based hosting. And we saw a couple people used it. We put it up without actually announcing it on any of the episodes. And about 100 of you guys found it. So congratulations for that. I want to thank Ryan Gavigan for being thank our special much. guest Yay! this time. And I want, to, I want to especially thank you guys for introducing me to a whole bunch of new shows that I probably wouldn't have had the chance to, to see like otherwise. Like Crisis and Ryan Gavigan. <laughs> oh, of course, because if I hadn't have gone back in time after I first heard your podcast about four hours ago and gone and watched those shows... I would never have been prepared for this podcast. Yeah, absolutely not. And also, I want to tell everybody, if they get a chance, watch the show Monster. It's really, really great. I concur I with that recommendation quite heartily. And I cannot wait for Pluto to start coming out in America in yeah. manga form. And maybe somebody will buy it other than uh, just me. Hey, I'm going to buy it. Maybe. Anyways, next episode of Anime World Order podcast, we're going to deliver on promises that are real and tangible and are going to come true. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like what, Dan? I don't know. What are we reviewing? I am going to review a show that's been sitting on my shelf for quite a long time, unwatched. This is the anime version of a manga series by Tetsuya Saruwatari. One of the greatest manga authors in the history of the planet. I would agree. This manga is being released, or was released, it's now no longer being released in America as Tough. The anime was released by CPM, and it is known as Shoot Fighter Tekken. You may recognize Tetsuya Sarawatsuri as being an understudy of Kazuo Koike. Oh. So maybe you have a better idea of what to expect. Released no, previous you don't. titles, such as Violence Hero Ricky O and oh. Dog Soldier. Oh, God. Possibly one of the grandest people ever conceived in history. And Clarissa is also talking about one of the grandest people ever conceived in history. Yes. This time I will actually, we will actually be doing JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4. 
by the fabulous Hirohiko Araki. We mean it, hopefully. Yeah. And to cap things off, I'm going to crack that whip and make sure that by the end of the next episode, everyone is going to know that it's bound. <laughs> Bow has a laser cannon! Because I'm going to be reviewing Hirohiko Araki's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure predecessor, Bow, a one-shot OAV, a two-part manga that is pretty much scene-for-scene reenactment of said one-shot OAV. And it's my hope that by saying this now, that other podcasts will rise to the challenge after all these years that I've given them and review Bow first. Hey, Daryl here, just cutting in to say yes, for the record, my bow review was recorded some time ago, but the anti-bow forces of the AWO, I'm speaking, of course, of Gerald and Clarissa, have conspired against me, foiled by teamwork. And that is it. But it is- Well, I'm going to also announce that I'm going to be reviewing 2003's anime Twin Speaker, but I'm doing it at home and not on the podcast, so not many people will be able to hear Neil Nadelman <laughs> salutes you. <laughs> And because somebody asked me to do a shout out, I want to say a shout out to Danielle. So I Danielle Tokunaga or a more different Danielle. No, that one in the same. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if she was just annoyed by me. Always. I am in her with bullshit. She's like, why don't you start up a blog? Daryl Surratt. And I'm like, I have a blog. I mean, world or yeah, but you don't, you send me fucking YouTube links. You don't know, have <laughs> shit to do. I'm a married woman. I got kids and shit now. And I'm like, okay, I'll never, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> it won't happen again. Nah, she's cool. Anyway, do look forward to that whenever it comes out. I make no guarantees because I, I got this is awesome. articles to write and crap and penises to yank on. Or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> thanks for listening to Anime World Podcast. AnimeHell.org www.animehell.org even though Dano is posting most of the updates and I'm derelict in making Anime Hell postings that's okay Dano's a one man machine fighting a war on terror really quick for Anime Hell in OhioCon in January it's going to be a meeting of the minds we're going to have two straight nights of different Anime Hells Jeff Tatarik and I will be hosting Anime Hell Friday night and Dano Dan Baker will be hosting Anime Hell Texas style Saturday night Texas. Style. Oh boy! Yeah, it's gonna be like the AWA effect. How will people survive it? Ryan has impeccable video editing skills and production talent to do cool like video transitions, and I've got the Zoom player playlist on my side. <laughs> that is all I'm equipped with, and, and a and bad the, projector. Maybe all. Yeah. Yeah. That are too bright. Oh well. Anyway, see you next time. <laughs>